At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Perfect, perfect, perfect. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com every Tuesday night, live, 9 p.m., chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions. That's right. It's the longest-running Panthers podcast, and you can be a part of it. The number is 252-228-5098. We've got a great show in store for you tonight. Tonight's show is, Is Sam Darnold Trash or Treasure? And at 945, I think, as long as we didn't get our standard times switched up, Tim Jenkins, former NFL quarterback, and P.J. Walker's former coach, going to join the show and help us figure out what we have in Sam Darnold. And you can get your questions in for him about P.J. Walker. So tell us in the chat what you want to know from Tim Jenkins about uh, Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker uh, going forward. Tell us what you want to talk about tonight in the chat room. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Like I said, be a part of the show. And welcome my co-host, the producer of the show as well, Cody Lasney to the C3 Panthers podcast. Tony Dunn, what's up, brother? It's another Tuesday night. Uh, there's nowhere I'd rather be than sitting here with my boys talking about some Panthers football, man. We've done some good things. The Panthers have really set themselves up to go BPA. Um, we have this really exciting draft to look forward to. I've been covering some prospects right here on the channel that people seem to be enjoying. Make sure you check those out. And uh, Tony Dunn, you know that tonight we are joined by the most lit panther fans in all of youtube and you already know the same usual suspects tar heel ire matt knows nothing tin tizzy who by his words is stuck on the side of a road listening to us right now hope that clears up for you tin aj twelve sixteen, rockhead jason lewis chad morales tony dunn and not to it but to do it brother let's roll Somebody sent uh, Tim Tizzy the, a copy of their a picture of their AAA card and get him some help. All right. Uh, we got CK <laughs> in the house. My man, uh, how's your dream today? Oh, it's uh, it's just amazing, bro. I just having <laughs> yeah. such a good dream. Uh, now, it's uh, man, it's it's a typical offseason, right? It's nice to have beautiful weather outside, not be too hot, not be too cold. But man, when it comes to football, you are just praying that something comes across the wire that gets you excited about this team. And, you know, there's a few things that we can talk about tonight that uh, I think we can say our team is getting better, but uh, you know, we'll about to, I, I, I'm more excited to talk to, uh, you know, our, our guest tonight about uh, what he thinks about Sam Darnold and moving forward. And if he has the capability of being what we hope he will be. 
Tim Jenkins uh, has a YouTube channel called All Things QB, with, hosted by Tim Jenkins, and um, he's done. I've, you know, my boy Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet podcast put me in touch with Tim, and uh, when he said, "I got a guy for you that uh, knows a lot about Darnold, um, you should check him out," I said, "Sure, send him over." And then I was like, "I watch this guy on YouTube all the time." I've seen his, uh, he's done a lot of study on Trey Lance, Justin Fields. He's done all the quarterbacks, uh, really good at teaching concepts. It's good film, like uh, things that I don't understand a lot, like the names of the plays and like some of the things that the, the names of the coverages and how some coverages look like others, but they're this. So he's, he's really great. We'll have a, a lot to, uh, ask him about Sam Darnold later. Um, we got some, uh, audio. Uh, from Sam Darnold's press conference as well. And don't forget your cat calls, 252-228-5098. Let's go ahead and start the show off with uh, kind of uh, something that happened. Again, I think we're starting to see a trend towards news dumps after the show. I don't like this. Towards <laughs> a Wednesday, Thursday. We, uh, for the last couple of years, have had a good run of Tuesday news dumps. And that's a been lot of them. It was like a real upstreak of Tuesday news jobs for a while. Yes. And, uh, you know, early in the podcast, I felt like it was Wednesday, Thursday. Sometimes they drop it on the weekend, too, trying to hide it. The Internet now has changed things. You can't hide stories over the weekend anymore. But I think this happened maybe on Wednesday or Thursday of last week. AJ Bouye. 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 Uh, former All-Pro corner played, uh, spent time with, I believe, the Houston Texans. There was one other. T- I know he's uh, coming from Denver, but I think, oh, the Jack. I think he started with the Jags, went to the Texans, and then last year uh, was with uh, the Denver Broncos. This uh, AJ, I think he only played six games last year, both because of or maybe some because of injury. But more importantly, got popped for PEDs and served a six-game suspension in there. The Scott Fitterer adds to this secondary, guys. Your thoughts on A.J. Bouye and what this means uh, kind of about the Panthers' offseason to this point? You know, I really do feel like this has um, truly set us up to go best player available. And I know we've said that on the podcast before. But, I mean, really, and I, I think you even said this before our show tonight, Tony, that really, even if we didn't have the draft, this roster technically is ready to go. Now, granted, obviously, it could still use the upgrades that the draft will bring us. But right now, this team signed a bunch of linebackers. We signed two of them, really high-level ones, in our opinion. Then we have A.J. Boye on the team now for two years. And I think for the most part, this has been um, a highly favored signing. Um, It was a two-year deal worth $7 million. And listen, you know, knowing that we signed Eli Apple last year, and he basically didn't do anything for us. Dante Jackson is up and down, hot and cold, Um, you know, lacks a lot of discipline, deep in coverage. I mean, that was kind of disciplined um, or uh, displayed on all or nothing for the Carolina Panthers. So I really do like this move for the, uh, for our defensive backfield. You add an older presence, someone that's been around, 
someone who's been a part of some high-level defenses, and I really like what what he has the potential to do for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't preclude us from taking a cornerback anywhere in the draft. In fact, I'm almost certain that we're still going to. Um, it could be in the first or the second round, too. So right now we have uh, put ourselves in a position to just take the best player available and, and bolster the football team. And I really do think any position could still be in contention for the Panthers at pick eight, including the quarterbacks. What does Bouye do for this team, CK? I mean, it, it takes a little bit more of a question mark off the table. Um, you know, as he mentioned, I mean, I, I think best player available is a great concept, but I really think that this allows them to get the guy that they want without fear of not having a, a good enough starting cornerback. That's that's such a such a a valuable location, like a valuable position that we just haven't felt really good at. Um, you know, and, and and I think part of it is we always let the good developed players that we've gotten in the building as a cornerback walk out the door. Josh Norman, uh, James Bradbury. It just it, it, it's it's just unfortunate that we have yet to have that that staple at that position that we've seen maintain a level of of of, of uh, value for our organization so i'm hoping that this will uh kind of uh, at least for this year give us some some depth and some uh like i said less question marks the only thing that i wonder and that i, I kind of afraid to to feel this way was last year i think we felt the moves they made last year told us they were in a win now moment like it was not a a rebuild it was we are going to be winning like they made some moves that felt good. They weren't great, but they felt like it was not like they didn't have intentions of this thing, you know, dragging on beyond this year. We were going to be a contender. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. And the year before that, when it was Ron Rivera, it felt the same way. It felt like we had Cam Newton. They were signing guys like Gerald McCoy and Bruce Irving, and and they were getting guys in that that were supposed to be difference makers. And it feels like they're doing the same thing this year except for I just don't know if it's all going to translate. I'm worried that I've got my hopes up the way that I did uh, for that 2019 season when when things just went really downhill. <clears throat> the A.J. Bouye signing to me uh, kind of was the cherry on top to the plan that Scott mm-hmm. Fitter has enacted. Now, I'm not going to get too excited about Bouye just yet, right? Is I've learned my lesson about getting uh, excited about corners who have been out cast-offs by other teams. Yeah. Right. Is uh, There was a year that we, gosh, this was 20, this was probably 2013. We signed um, a guy, a corner from the Chargers, and we signed, what was this guy? He played safety, and he was a Falcon safety, and he came over here. And he, I'll tell you this, no, no, this was before Roman Harper. And these two guys stunk. And the one had been a pro bowler before. God, what was it? It was 20. This was 2014 or 2013. It might have been. No, it might have even been as early as 2012. This guy went on the radio all the time and just took his lumps. Um, but so I, but I was so excited about adding these guys and we got a secondary put together and it's going to help. And so I'm going to wait until I see it. But what I was excited about 
with um, the or what I think the the Bouye AJ Bouye signing kind of showed me is what Scott Fitter's plan kind of was. Yeah, and there was, a, and I'm trying to think if it's a three part plan or a four part plan. Uh, the goal of this plan is to fill out a roster that could play today. Maybe not win every, you know, not might, might not be the best roster in the history of the world today, but that you have it so that you have filled out the position group, right? If you think about this, the first phase was to um, secure Taylor Moten and begin kind of the addressing the most important part uh, or the most biggest need, one of the bigger needs in the offensive line. And then the second phase, you know, kind of those in-house guys, you saw some contract renegotiations when it comes to um, Shaq Thompson, uh, Christian McCaffrey. So this in-house phase was to free up some money for the cap, but also uh, to make sure that you use that franchise tag for Moten. Second phase was really to aggressively go after the most important needs uh, on the squad or maybe some of the bigger deficiencies. They signed Pat Efflein. They signed Cam Irvin going to try to address, fill out the starters. We need to get five people that we could put in jerseys on that offensive line. So Taylor Moten, Cam Irving, um, and maybe the guys that you already had on the team, F-line, uh, F who can play guard, can play center. They also then went after another big need linebacker, Denzel Perryman. Maybe not the greatest addition, you know, the most versatile linebacker. Nothing giant, but a need, right, is that we saw that uh, last year, there's just kind of the struggle at the linebacker position. I still really have a lot of uh, hope for when it comes to um, Jermaine Carter Jr. I'm not going to lie about that. And I almost forgot. I didn't even write this down. Uh, then we get our blue chip player in Hassan Reddick. I don't even know. Maybe that was just our icing on the cake. Or like That was a great pick. You know, Maybe not even the biggest need at the moment. But really, again, now you have two starting edge rushers, Brian Burns and him, Filling it out where you have the players there. And then the second, the end of phase two was the addition of a tight end, the Dan Arnold's, the big the guy. And then the third phase was this, is that there were still two outstanding needs. We knew that the quarter the quarterback position, that things had soured between the Carolina Panthers <clears throat> and Bridgewater. And we know that the secondary uh, had uh, is still kind of, up in the air when it comes to whether how good Dante Jackson is, if he's going to be a starter this year, can Troy, Troy Pride Jr. take the next step? And so the Carolina Panthers saw that it was going to be difficult maybe to secure their guy of at quarterback in the draft, too expensive to move up. And so they made a trade for Sam Darnold, which fills that quarterback need. You have a guy that you are willing to start from day one, whether he's good or bad, we don't know, but we have a team and AJ Bouye is the final step of this. So to me, I think that Scott Fitterer's plan has been to build a team that could play today. And then the draft is something that can just be, you know, added support to that unit and not backed into a corner 
to where you are sitting at eight and you got to draft a quarterback no matter what, or you don't have an offensive line and you have to draft a tackle no matter who's available, or you've got to go get a corner. We've addressed these needs to so much so that BPA can be used at every turn throughout this draft. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, we needed a tackle. We, you know, Federer brought in Cam Irving. We need a guard, brought in Pat Elfline. We need a tight end, brought in Dan Arnold. We need a cornerback, brought in AJ Boye. We need a linebacker. We got two of them. We got Perriman and Hassan Reddick. And you know what? We all shit on Teddy Bridgewater so much. The front office heard us. And they said, you know what? We need a quarterback, too. And they went and got one. I mean, Scott Federer has been an absolute dream. Uh, you know, I hope that man is doing what CK says and is living his dream uh, because right now he is doing a tremendous job. Listen, I mean, just thinking about um, our defensive line, the thought of uh, Derek Brown in the middle, Detour Gross Matos, Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick. Now you add the second year of Jeremy Chen, AJ Boye. I, I mean, really, this defense has an opportunity to take the next step forward next year and really be a fast pace, get after the quarterback, hard thumping defense. And I, I'm really excited about what this defense has the potential to be next year. I think they'll be fast, physical, and violent. And we, yeah, I mean, there isn't any, but I don't know about either of you, but to me as of right now, I cannot tell you what position we would be favoring over any other in the draft. Like, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I think it's just as – You don't have to favor favorite. one at all now. You don't have yeah. to favor one yeah, at all. And, and my, Travis brought this up as we even added a wide receiver in more and signed that one kid from BYU that runs a 4-3. So we added some bodies to the wide receiver room in, in the absence of Curtis Samuel. Right. Right. But we've done some. We've done some really wonderful moves – I'm happy the direction that the team is is moving towards. Um, I'm just really, me personally, I'm trying to get the temperature from Panthers fans on what we're going to do or what they would do if the Panthers did indeed draft a quarterback if one is still on the board at eight. Because I feel like as Panther fans, we've just assumed that it's going to be Sam Darnold. And I'll even admit, if I'm a betting man, I say no matter what, no matter who we draft, Sam Darnold isn't going to be the starter for the Panthers next year. But I think we've kind of – Or at least off, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I think we've written off the idea that the Panthers are even in the market for a quarterback at all. Um, we know that the Panthers are going to be at um, uh, the second pro days of both Justin Fields and Trey Lance because both of them are indeed doing a second pro day. And uh, Federer and Matt Rule, and I believe Joe Brady, will be at both of them. So the Panthers are not done doing their due diligence on the quarterback position. And um, really, everything is on the table for the Panthers right now. It's exciting stuff, man. CK, what do you think about that? Panthers at eight, with all the steps and the holes that they filled the sand they poured in in between the gaps. They pick Trey Lance at eight, Justin Fields at eight. How do you feel about that? I mean, I don't hate the idea. I just think it's, again, if you didn't have the confidence in them, 
I mean, number one, if you didn't have the confidence in them to, to, I mean, it's such a tough one because you're giving away three picks for Sam Darnold already, guaranteed. You've given away three. Now, regardless of what you think, it is a second rounder, which still is pretty impactful to an organization trying to build a, a squad, even though that's next year's uh, draft. Um, if we were to do uh, have an eighth pick, and I'd be upset. Here's the thing. Here's where I would be upset. If there were a Pitts or a Sewell or anybody else on that, that that's like the like generational at their skill position, then I think I would be absolutely upset because you have more question marks on the quarterback and more quarterbacks don't work out in the first round than than pretty much any other position that you can find out there. So I I don't like the idea of drafting a QB in the first round, but I understand the reason why they would. I just don't think that it's a good idea. So I, I, I understand that people would be surprised given that we we gave up some assets to get Sam Darnold. I felt like the Sam Darnold, and Cody has made this analogy. I think it's a beautiful one or metaphor, maybe. I don't know. It's an analogy. It's like the break glass in case of emergency moment. Yeah. And we were in emergency once the Deshaun Watson um, stuff emerged. It became, a, a fi- uh, at that point, it became imperative that the Panthers find an answer that wasn't Deshaun Watson and wasn't trading up once the 49ers did, you know, and they had to break glass and find something uh, that they could trot out there. The the picks, when you hear the second and the fourth, it does sound expensive, right? But what is the worst that could happen if you pick a quarterback at eight or say you pick a uh, a tackle at eight? So that you have two options. You can pick a tackle or you pick Trey Lance. And we pick the tackle, and then you go, wait a second, Sam Darnold is not guaranteed to work. He's not. Is that while we are, while we have the rose-colored glasses on right now, hoping and praying that a new situation with uh, good teaching coaches and good weapons and can you know kind of wash the stink off of him and re, you know, his career can be resurrected. That is um, a gamble in itself, right? So if it doesn't work out, then you're back to square one. You get a quarterback in the draft, though, and it doesn't work out, and the timeline just gets moved up. Yeah. Darnold stinks, and all of a sudden now it's not about sitting this kid for 10 games or a year or something like that. It's about, hey, go get in there. Yeah. And I Here's to- the one other thing, though, and I'm passing yeah. my to you is this, is what happens, though, if you draft a quarterback and Sam Darnold does work out? All of a sudden now, you have an opportunity to either potentially, which I would think would be stupid, you know, you could trade the pick away that you you could trade trade Lance on the idea that he looked good in the preseason and everybody's going off of his draft grade. Or you could trade Sam Darnold on his fifth-year option and at the very minimum get back what you gave up for him yeah so that's yeah. kind of where i am on that and then the other the last uh, i guess and then uh, i said i would give the mic up but the last point is is that 
quarterbacks change the game more than wide receivers do, right? Is that I saw a great tweet from uh, one of the um, God, who was it from WFNZ? And he was like, so you're trying to tell me that you guys are worried about a quarterback working out at eight. So you just are going to take pits instead. Well, I mean, like he, that's, a, that's like act, acting like he's going to be a, there's no risk there either. So I do think I'm with you, Cody, is I think there is the Panthers should be in the game at eight if the chips fall that way. But I think they're right on the money in saying they're not going to fall that way. There's a good chance that by four, there's four straight picks of quarterbacks. Like if they yeah. didn't do this, if they didn't do this, like here's the thing. If, if, if they didn't trade for Sam Darnold and the, no quarterbacks dropped to us, then we're left with nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So they made the decision to get Sam Darnold while they could. Um, and then uh, obviously now if that does happen to where a quarterback does fall to you, then I think you, you've you almost won that, that you know, uh, as they said, he said, you can never have too many quarterbacks, uh, too, too many good quarterbacks, which I think that's a complete BS answer. I think you can absolutely have too many good quarterbacks because all of that does is create contention among the organization. But uh, that's why you're not going to have a great. Uh, that's why uh, Teddy Bridgewater was seeking trades elsewhere. That's why you know if we were to draft another QB, I think it would be very much just, you know kind of spitting in Sam Darnold's face. Um, which I mean, like I said, it's business. I think he's going to be able to understand it. But um, I don't. Like I said, I I think that at this point in time, um, drafting a quarterback and and I agree. Like from a Kyle Pitts perspective. Like they're not going to change the game as much as uh, as as a quarterback, but I tell you, one piece of position that would be at, at least as close as it can be would be a left tackle, and that that can be something that can completely change the way your offense runs if you've got a left tackle that can change the way that you know your quarterback runs an offense. So that's where I would be a problem. I would have a problem if there were a top you know uh, left tackle in the draft. So I agree with you, but I would put it to you like this, right? We just signed A.J. Bouye to be a corner for mm-hmm. two years for the Panthers, right? It's just for two years. But do any of us think that that stops us from taking a no. shutdown corner at the eighth pick? Right. So similarly, I can say that we know for a fact we have Sam Darnold on a two-year lease. And that also shouldn't preclude us from taking a quarterback with the eighth overall pick. And I do think um, uh, Adam Sanders in the chat made a really good point. Tepper wants a franchise quarterback so bad. If Trey Lance or Justin Fields is on the board, the fact that he wouldn't have to immediately start that player, um, I think would be too good for them to pass up. Even with Sam Donald and all the promises and stuff that, have supposedly been made to him. I also I also think that Travis made a great point too. Uh, if we draft a quarterback this year, we don't know that the quarterback class next year is even going to be worth a damn. And in fact, all the reports right now say that the quarterback class um, isn't quite as filled with talent as it is this year. So you know we have the potential to move on from Sam or stick with him if we want him, or if some other team is willing to trade for whatever quarterback we drafted, then it just means that we have more assets to be able to move and do things in the future. Um, I really do think that the Panthers are open to do just about anything right now. Blake says, I thought Darnold was on a one-year deal, not a two. 
is that we went ahead and picked up his fifth year option. So not we yet. have. But him. we didn't. Though. We did not. Oh, we did. And, and Jonathan, it Jones, wasn't that reported. No, it was. It was reported that we were going to. But but then we haven't, and apparently we're waiting until after the draft to do so. Or that that's how and Jonathan. Do, that's do how we Jonathan have to do it Jones urgently. Do we have to do it? I don't. No, I don't no. think so. But if we just signed, um, you know, why would we be waiting until after the draft to sign this fifth year option? That kind of says to me. Well, if we end up taking a quarterback, we might not need to sign that fifth-year option. Here's the thing. Or why would you even need to do it, period? Haven't we learned our lesson in that, um, you know, is that these guys are on a prove-it deal, not um, we owe you deal? And I don't know how the options work. Chat room is saying we have until May 1st to pick up the fifth-year option. So that's the last possible moment, and then you can't get out of it once you do, I take it. Yeah, correct. If you if you uh, pick up the fifth year option, that is guaranteed money, and that's obviously a pay raise for uh, for him as well. It's great for Sam Darnold. Um, if he just is a bum this entire year, it's not so great for the Panthers because then we have we have another situation where we're going to have a tremendous amount of dead cap if we try to cut him. Um, it's or, not a tremendous amount, though. Interestingly, about this, like seventeen is million. It, it's seventeen total. No, for that right. for that fifth year, yeah, twenty four total or something like that. Yeah, is that this year we're getting them on like a nine, yeah. Or or so. But you're right, is that you know is again think about all the dead weight, dead money, and dead weight at the quarterback position. If this doesn't work, what if we drafted a quarterback and then immediately after the draft on this roster were five quarterbacks? Now, obviously there <laughs> would be five quarterbacks in late August. But think of this is that you would have Darnold Bridgewater. If you can't trade him, Will Greer, PJ Walker, and the person drafted, that would be an interesting, there's a big room where the, the room is like, it's bigger than your cornerback <laughs> room. Dude, uh, there's no way we would let PJ Walker stay. We no, would he'd be out, Will, yeah. we, we would probably cut Will Greer and PJ Walker. Yeah, well, no, I would think we're going to cut Will Greer before we cut. Well, anyway, you're right. Or we're um, trying to we're trying to take uh, trade Teddy Bridgewater. The I know we are the last the the one thing I wanted to say about the like you said the letting them wait the whoever that was drafted it's actually an ideal situation and that's why. People who keep saying that Atlanta is not going to take a quarterback, I don't. I don't completely buy this. Yes, if someone wants to trade up and give them a lot, they don't have to. But what they could do is draft a quarterback and not need him to win today. And as you know, almost like a Justin Herbert type scenario where you think he's going to sit for a year or two or yeah. trade. You're going to trade Ryan maybe next year to a team who is win now moment, hopefully, or something to that effect. The Panthers, it would give us some latitude in not having to do basically what the Jets did to Sam Darnold. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I really do think, uh, you know, the Panthers don't intend for a quarterback to be there. Uh, I think that's why we did this whole Sam Donald thing in the first place. I agree. And, and listen, if you saw my my film room on this channel, listen, Sam Donald has a ton of potential 
as a quarterback that has been untapped and unrealized. And a lot of people in the media are making the same bet that we are, that Sam Darnold with the proper tutelage, with the proper coaching, with Matt Rule and Joe Brady, that he's going to be able to take that next step. And and I'm inclined to believe him. But CK, listen, man, it's that time again. I need you to uh, remind these people what time it is specifically. You guys have not hit that like button. And if you have not, you deserve this. Subscriber shame. For shame. Hit the like button, people. We have 95 people watching, 39 likes. Hit the like button. That helps our content to be spread around and shared with as many people in the Panther fandom as possible. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell for when we go live. Yeah, man. We love doing this. Show some love to the boys. All right, let's go into this. Is Sam Darnold uh, held his first press conference when it came, uh, or his first? Po- oh, but actually, before that, you said this is all the promises that they made to him. I don't think we've made any promises to him, Cody. Is that um, Matt Rule didn't even talk to him until like he had his press conference. And I feel like that uh, he didn't even know where he was being traded with till he was traded. So, you know, he's just kind of got to go with the flow. And that's all he did in his interview. He was asked, though, you you know, I'm critical. What do you think about the press conference? How about that? Before so, we you know, I, I thought about you specifically. I really did. I thought about you, Tony, because I kind of picked up on the fact that the media was almost kind of relentless and like, uh, oh, how do you feel? Do you feel the Jets shouldn't have passed on you? What would you say to Zach or, you know, or to whoever the, the Jets draft? And it's like they, they kept on, you know, what do you need to improve on? What do you need to get better at? You know, A like, lot I, of those I, were coming from the Jets uh, media as well. Yeah, That's and there, there was it. definitely a lot of Jets people in there too. And um, I also – uh, you know, we we're bringing up promises. Tony, I don't know if you heard this or not, but apparently Joe Douglas, the new general manager for the Jets, all but promised Sam Darnold's mom that he was going to draft him protection and build around Sam and really build the football team around him just to ship him off to Carolina. Um, no, he literally was- did promise it. Like, he literally promised yeah. Sam's mom, I'm going to protect your son and I'm going to get him some weapons. Well, they did get the top fleet tackle last year in the draft, so it was one step towards that. Yeah, you know, uh, he could protect him from Adam Gase, though. So I watched the press conference. You sent me the message and said they were hard hitters. Not you didn't say hard hitters, but you said, "Oh, they didn't take it easy." I still thought they were very polite in it. Um. (laughs) It was, uh, he is so, he's so vanilla, dude, when it comes to, like, he gives the perfect answer. Like, if you just sat down and it's just like, um, he does say a lot of ums and ahs and, uh, you you know, like this and that, but he is just like, I want to make the best of my opportunity. He didn't say anything bad about the Jets. He didn't say anything bad. He didn't say, like, he just was the choir boy of press conferences. He's a boy. Yeah, there you go. The um, interestingly, though, for all the shit he takes from Panther fans, 
David Newton is the one who asks some of the more direct, blunt questions that are kind of on fan minds, fans' mind. Here is David Newton uh, with his kind of the first toughy or tougher question for Sam Darnold. Thank you. They're, they're more over the course of history. They're more failures and successes for highly drafted quarterbacks um, on their second stop. What makes you and your situation you think different? Yeah, I mean, I'm just coming in with an open mind and, you know, just seeking for, you know, a great opportunity to, you know, lead this football team and, and you know, just move the ball up and down the field and score touchdowns, you know. Uh, that's what I'm most excited about, and I think I have a really good opportunity here to do that. Do you know what I love about that question? Is, that? is it going to allow Sam Darnold to hate David Newton immediately? <laughs> Right, and that'll instantly make him one of them. Oh, no. That was one of the better. All right. Um, They did ask Darnold how it felt to be traded. Here's Sam Darnold on uh, being – and he was asked a couple of different ways about this. There was a couple of sound bites I could have pulled. It was interesting. I felt like he was honest here. Like, I I thought this was cool. Is I I did like how he discussed the feelings that he had in the process. Uh, but I'm curious, when you found out or heard that you might be getting traded during the offseason, was there maybe a sense of relief that, you know what, let's just stop pickups, go somewhere else instead of having a third coach in four years just in New York alone? Was there disappointment or was there actual relief? No, I think I think for me it's anytime, you know, you go somewhere and you set, like I said before, you set lofty goals um, and those goals aren't met, um, that's always tough. For me, um, you know, when when I heard the news that they wanted to trade me, um, it was tough. You know, anytime you, you're not wanted somewhere, that's always, you know, a tough pill to swallow. Um, but then it was the opposite feeling. You know, you go from being unwanted and then all of a sudden, you know, the people in Carolina, you know, wanted me and obviously traded for me. And you go from being unwanted to wanted. And, you know, I think that was um just you know when the trade went down um you know obviously like i said things didn't work out the way that i wanted in new york but i was just so excited for a you know a fresh start and new opportunity so um it was bittersweet um but meeting the people like i like i keep saying i mean meeting the people around here and, and getting to know everyone and um you know what the agenda is around here it's um i'm just very thrilled and excited to, to get so, you know, he's speaking on that. That is interesting. You know, you, you kind of forget sometimes the emotions that are with these players and the pressure that's on these guys. And there was a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold. Some prob- some people probably would be critical of maybe a little how nonchalant he was about that pressure. The chat room is already roasting him for the ums and the – you know, you know, you know. You know what's crazy? Um, is um, he's a football player, and like he is not a yes. He's a he's a, the leader of the of the pack. But every one of us would be in front of there and answering those questions and doing the exact same damn thing. It's almost so, like his job is a football player and not a public speaker. Right, anymore. right. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. And you guys want to do that? Let's go back and watch some of Cam's biggest uh, blunders and in, uh, in his. Press conferences. Hey, this is always entertaining. Hey, leave Cam out of this. I'm you just know, you're, right, you're right. Is that the? You don't remember the Donkey Kong suit? 
<laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I this cancel culture. He would have been he would have been fired right now. Um, but I was wondering. Um, 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 <laughs> you know, we all have those uh, cues. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, at first, you have to train them out. You really have to hear yourself speak a lot and know your tendencies of what you try to do. And even even when you know that, it's really hard to extricate them from your style of speaking. The thing I do think about, the reason we do some of this ums and yeah you know is that it gives us a moment to think about what we're about to say yeah so yeah is this is cams cams were hilarious dude you guys got to go back and watch this i did a parody of a cam newton press conference after this lost and where a joe person asked him do you think you have the wherewithal to something <laughs> and he man cam was it's such a pissy but it was so awesome it was such a good press if you could watch them side by side i think it would be funny so sam darnold yeah is that look he said all the right things there right he's he's saying all the right things he was asked here's one here is the tougher question of the bunch i thought and i don't know if this was this might have been from elena getzenberg this might have been a charlotte observer uh, Hey, Sam, I have two quick questions. Um, nope. The first, you, what is your relationship with Teddy Bridgewater? Have you talked to him since um, coming to Carolina? And what do you like about having that competition with him? I love this one. Yeah, most. you know, I've, I've always admired Teddy. You know, being with him in New York, um, you know, we've, uh, we became close friends there. And, uh, you know, we would talk every now and then. But I haven't talked to him uh, since the trade went down. But, um, you know looking forward to that interaction and I'm looking forward to com- So this one comment right here births a story on Pro Football Talk is it Pro Fo- is which one is the Mike Florio is that the one is that Pro yeah, Football yeah, Talk pro, pro Football Talk and their whole mandate Darren Gant used to write for him for them now he writes for the uh, the panthers.com but their whole mandate is to chew out you know like 75 to 100 word blogs that have a really juicy title to them. And they're quick reads. You know, actually, I think there is a place for some of this type of media, too. But their headline was Darnold has not has not hasn't spoken to Teddy Bridgewater. Like, so it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, no, yeah, no shit. Of course he hasn't. But can I? Can I tell you this? Like, Sam, the one lie that I think I've heard him say in this is I'm looking forward to our interaction. You know damn well that dude is not looking forward to that. Like, yeah, that quarterback like, room. They're friends. They they're friends. They knew each other. No. Dude, it's, this, it's the shit that they have to say because they're yeah. teammates. And I understand, but I think we all know Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold are not going to be on the same team by the time the 2021 season starts. Teddy Bridgewater is out the door, I'm telling you. I know the Broncos, somebody from within the Broncos said the only way that they're going to trade for him is if we decide, if we agreed to eat a significant portion of his uh, salary. We might have to. We really might have to. 
He's a bum. We'll get uh we got our guest coming in in just a moment. Uh Tim Jenkins, former NFL quarterback and host of All Things QB, former coach of PJ Walker. So we'll get a lot of thoughts. We'll have to ask him what he thinks about Teddy. I do before we welcome in our guest and move on. Uh though I did say this is that if you had a question you could have asked Sam Darnold in his press conference and Cody, you tried to play this. What would it be? And you tried to caveat this question with, um, oh, well, like, would they answer it? Things like that. I don't want you to hide from that. What would the question be? No holds bar. What would it be if you could ask it? You don't have to worry about your credentials being pulled or anything like that. What would your question to Sam Darnold have been? Man, that really is tough. Um, I would say... um, What's it like to actually have a supporting cast of legitimate weapons around you? Like I would want to, I would want to throw shade. He would say, "You know what?" His, his answer would be, "I don't know." Like, his like, answer would be, "I don't know." I would. <laughs> I, I, I feel like New York media and New York fans uh, fans have dissed Sam Donald so hard that I would want to send a jab back at them like hey what's it like to be in a place that'll finally build around you and respect your talent <laughs> mine mine was similar to that like mine's mine's along the same lines of you know first and foremost what's it like coming from an organization so inept that they can't even build a a quality football team around their number three pick to where the, the majority of the blame isn't even on the quarterback not being able to play well it's on the coach being that bad of a coach to now on a on a team that has Matt Rule and Joe Brady who have been uh, highly praised up to this point for what they've done uh, as a, as a coaching squad. What does that feel like going from that to this? You know, yeah. it would be very long winded, but in a way to just shoot down the Jets and and the uh, the 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 amount of people that do want to try to like. I mean, it's kind of insane if you think about it. Like, it's kind of insane yeah. to think that the quarterback isn't being blamed as much as that organization was as a whole. Here's my question for Sammy right here is that you said just a moment ago, you're excited to come to the Carolina Panthers and for this opportunity. My question is Sam, if Joe Brady had somehow landed a head coaching position, like Mm -hmm. we thought, and we had to hire a new offensive coordinator, and we hired Adam Gase. Would you be excited to come to the Carolina Panthers? Oh, my Panthers? God. Nobody asked him about the coaching and stuff like that. So I'm assuming they had uh, some off the uh, off limits. Maybe. Maybe. That's a good question. Uh, or That's a good point. Uh, Cody, let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Tim Jenkins, former NFL quarterback. Um, Jenkins Elite. I hope I got that right. I've been watching. I looked all over <laughs> the website today, which is awesome. By the way, whoever if designed your website and if you did it yourself, that would be even cooler. Did that, we? Uh, you got a beautiful website, dude. Former coach of PJ Walker, mentor PJ Walker, Tim Jenkins. I actually, when Scott Mason said, You got to get this guy on, you got to get this guy on, I said, Well, send me the name. I was like, I watch this guy's YouTube channel all the time, dude. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. We got the comments rolling. This is uh, this is very cool. I appreciate you guys. 
Yeah, we have the longest running Panthers podcast. We're going to have, there's like 30 calls in the hole. For, we'll probably be up all night. We're going to move it along <laughs> at some point. We are long-winded. The fans want to know a lot. And I guess the first question we got to ask is, what are we getting with, well, I I would say the first, I watched your video very closely about Sam Darnold's 2020 season. I thought it was very informative. I, I encourage everybody to go look it out, look at it. It wasn't overwhelming, too, for people like in a way that for someone like me, I'm not a good X and O guy. I'm just a, I'm like, I have an eyeball test when it comes to football. Not only are your videos informative though, I thought you brought it down into a very digestible format of like, let's look at some good. Let's look at some bad and let's look at some upside. Tell us what you think though of Sam Darnold's, the trade to the Carolina making the trade and what Sam Darnold could maybe be for this team. I mean, I think you got to start with the value because I did not expect Sam Darnold to cost as little as he did. I I mean, I understand that he statistically looked really, really bad on on paper this year. But when you really boil down the tape, like you see everything that everybody saw when they were talking about him as a top quarterback in the league. And then you saw the Adam Gaze effect, which is hey, we're going to run 14 plays a game that we just installed this week because we think we're going to take advantage of a certain look, and they never got the look. So, uh, you know, (laughs) listen, I think after watching the tape, I'm I'm a huge Sam Darnold fan. Uh, You know, I I joke with, you know, I unfortunately went somewhere that, you know, we have somebody with PJ, but, you know, I I do think Sam Darnold's got a ton of upside, and I honestly just – the biggest thing is when you look at it from the value, because everyone earlier this year was saying, hey, if you're going to trade for Sam Darnold, it's a this year's first, next year's second as well. Like there were so many different numbers getting thrown out that at that point it didn't make sense. With what you guys got him for, I think it's a no-brainer. And I really think that with what Joe Brady does and where it's going in terms of, you know, getting in and out of plays at the line of scrimmage, Sam's going to, he's going to crush it for you guys. I just think it's, it's a no brainer fit for, for Carolina. What, when you, we've, we've looked over and over, or I guess we've debated over and over as fans is how much is this was Sam Darnold? How much of this was the situation and how much of this was Adam Gase? We've learned that the New York Jets didn't even have a quarterback's coach that Adam Gase was the head coach, the play caller, and the quarterback coach. And we saw a regression in some ways with Sam Darnold. At least that's what my Jets friends like Scott has told me is, you know, is that he's not getting better on some of the things that he, you know, you kind of wrote off in his early, earlier seasons. So as Panther fans, we go, well, this is Gase. This is Gase. This is the coach and this is coaching. And we know the famous I'm seeing ghosts. Uh, moment and we say well it's the offensive line it's the offensive line as you watch the new york jets tape and sam darnold what did you learn about the gase offense and like because i'm kind of just i wanted to know was the offense that gase called one that was good for the players on the team including sam darnold what did you see from the offense because Everybody says he's a guru, or actually nobody says he's a guru. Only the Jets believed he was a guru, and uh, maybe Peyton Manning will give him a clap. Well, listen, you know, Peyton Manning is going to get a lot of guys' jobs, so you can't blame anybody for seeing what he did with Peyton Manning and then saying, oh, this guy's going to do it with our core. It's just, you know, that's the nature of the NFL. I do think when you look at Adam Gaze's offense, I want to peel back a couple layers because, one – there's still misses from Sam, right? So there's a there's two or three interceptions this year. 
where he goes through the progression correctly. They ran a ton of PSL, like to simplify that. It's just, hey, two shell, read this side, three shell, read this side. That's, you know, kind of, that's kind of what I would say the base of their offense is. There's times where Sam got to the right spot and just airmailed the ball. That was, to me, a biomechanic breakdown. A lot of it, though, I would attribute to the O-line play, right? When you're, when you're used to ending up on your back, it's real hard to keep worry about your heel alignment, right? There's a lot of stuff that goes into throwing, and if you're getting pummeled all game, it's tough to really care about that, right? But um, that's where I would say a piece of it was. But with Gaze's offense, you know, he does a – it's not all him, and the reason I say that is because there were so many times where the right play was called and their receiver just lost. Like they would run a nine yard stop route and the DB would just muscle them outside and pick the ball. Like that doesn't happen. Every other NFL team I've watched this year so far studying quarterbacks, that hasn't happened. And it happened to the Jets twice. So I want to say, hey, it's all out of gaze. But in reality, it's a combination of the crew. Um, I do think Sam in a new situation with a fresh start is going to excel. You know, that the last play I put on there of, hey, a clear – hey, trap coverage, Denver's bringing them into a single high. He kills, kills, get to the right look, and they run the deep over. That's next-level quarterbacking. That's the stuff that you see Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Phillip Rivers and all those kind of guys that that consistently have good, good you know, seasons. That's what they do, and, and that's where you've really got to bet on Sam. When you see stuff like that, I just am a believer that he's going to come in and be able to do that, especially with a guy like Joe Brady who teaches the game in a really good manner. And you know that because he was teaching, you know, college kids, right, plays. And anytime you have to boil it down, because we have to pretend those kids go to class, anytime you got to install it with the guys that were pretending to go to school, is, uh, you know, you're doing it different than when they get to the NFL. Tim, in your video, you pointed out Sam's ability to make some really high-level throws on the run. And that even though he was able to make some of those plays – then he would turn around and then throw back across the middle of the field right to a linebacker and just make a boneheaded mistake. And you even kind of alluded to this in your video. How do you go about teaching someone how to be a better decision maker? Is it, I, just, is it just going to be Sam building trust with the new weapons that he has here? Or is there something that Joe Brady and our new quarterback coach, Sean Ryan, who has um, been with Deshaun Watson before he's been with Matthew Stafford. Is there anything particular they can do for Sam to help him make better decisions? That's a great question. I think, you know, the point of putting in the unreal scramble plays that he made that were great and then following it up with putting the, you know, interceptions right behind it was because as a coaching staff, you see that and you have to then make a conscious decision what we're going to do with it. Because there's two solutions, right? One, you coach it out of it. You say, listen, when we're in scramble drill, we want you to take whatever's in front of you or we want you to go get five yards and get down. That's one way because you're going to then eliminate the mistakes. However, you'll also eliminate the big plays. So right. it's really got to be an organizational decision. Personally, with what I saw with Sam, really there were, let's, there were three picks, and I think I put them almost all on the video, but there were three picks. That's going to hurt you. But I would tell you they were probably 20 to 30 chunk plays. In that ratio, I'm turning the kid free, right? I'm saying, hey, man, I know that we have three picks each year, but I'll take the 30 chunk plays and I'll deal with the other stuff. And that's what the that's what Kansas City's doing with Mahomes, right? Green Bay does it with Aaron Rodgers. How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers yeah. extend the play, 
throw the stick at eight post, that gets picked off every once in a while. But the other 30 plays, that's what wins you ball games. So I think with Sam, I'd lean more towards, you know, hey, keep trusting your instincts. Of course, you want to eliminate the one where, you know, he's trying to throw the deep over and it's double covered. Like, that's just stupid, right? Of course, you want to try to eliminate that. But, you know, being a guy who's, you know, not at the level of Sam, but has had to run around and try to see what's out there. Sometimes you're just like, you see something that looks open. You look back on tape and you go, wow, why did I do that? I think that's probably, you know, what Sam would tell you about the deep over he tried to throw late. But I, I would say... You know, it's just going to be an organizational decision. I'd be in the camp of of keep trusting his instincts when he's on the run. Right. And let me ask you this. Um, let's speak about Christian McCaffrey a little bit. Having a bell cow running back, a player like Christian McCaffrey, that frankly Sam didn't really have a chance to have in, in New York. I mean, he had Le'Veon Bell, but it was an entirely different situation. The offensive line wasn't quite where it needed to be. How much do you think it's going to help um, Sam's development that we have such a, a potent offense with a player like McCaffrey who we're essentially going to make such a huge part of our game plan that Sam isn't going to have to be forced into making a crazy play every single time. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be huge. And we I don't even think we saw the full Christian McCaffrey effect in this offense because He's going to do so much stuff out of the backfield where they motion him back in or they motion yeah. him out and see if they can get a backer on him. But then all of a sudden, right, if if you decide to keep your nickel or, you you know, you take your nickel outside or you put your corner with him, well, now you guys have unbelievable matchups with DJ Moore, you know, whoever in the slot. I, I, I think right. what, what Carolina can do with Christian is going to make everything so much easier. And the amount of single high coverage they're going to see because they have Christian in the backfield – is going to make a quarterback's job easier too. So I, you know, what I tell Carolina Panthers fans, I think you're going to see a ton of Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. And I think you're also going to see a ton of, you know, two shell kill to three shell plays. I, I think whoever's under center next year, you'll hear a ton of kill, kill. And it's because all they're saying is, hey, two shell, motion Christian back in. We're going to run the ball. Hey, if you get single high, kill, kill it. We're going to keep the pass play on. And that's as easy as it gets when it comes to playing football. And, and, and when you have a great running back, that's what it gives you, especially a dude who's so multi faceted like Christian is right there's certain guys that they're deadly from the backfield but Christian's a dude that legitimately I would put up as a slot receiver against most slot receivers in the league so I just think that you know priorities making sure he stays healthy this year but the amount of you know the way it's going to simplify the box for Sam when he's learning a new offense is going to be I mean it's going to be really special yeah and my final question do you think that Sam will have a Ryan Tannehill like jump or maybe a little better, or maybe a little bit below that. What What would you say? I would say I I would expect him to take a jump this year. What I would tell you in the long term, though, is he is exponentially more gifted than Ryan Tannehill. So when you talk about, hey, if you can get him to his ceiling, I, I joked about it on Twitter. I thought the Jets would move him on draft night, and I legitimately thought, that could be what we remember this draft for, right? Because everyone's like, oh, there's five great quarterbacks. We do this every year, right? There's five franchise quarterbacks that are going to change right. the game forever. But legitimately, whoever got Sam Darnold that night might have actually gotten who's going to end up being the best guy. Let's not forget how young he is. And then let's not forget, we have NFL tape on him. All these other quarterbacks, they're high risk. I don't know what they're actually bad at. I've got to try to decipher it from film study. 
But Ohio State is basically like evaluating Star Wars. The offense is it, – it's like watching the Jenkins family turkey bowl, right? It's just <laughs> yeah. dudes running all over the field. You know, every once in a while we pop Aunt Judy open on the deep over, and even I look good. But, you know, I, I just think when you talk about Sam Darnold, you, you're talking about a guy who you know what he struggles with. You can game plan around it, but he is uber freaking talented. I tell everybody this. I legitimately think if Sam Darnold ended up in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes ended up in New York, their careers would be flipped as well. Like, you can't okay. you can't not talk about fit and timing and who's around them. You yeah. give you give a majority of NFL quarterbacks Kansas City's roster. Alex Smith looked great. Right. Let's not forget who, how good he was doing before Mahomes took over. So it's a lot. There's a lot to be said about scheme and who's around them. And and I'm just a huge believer in Sam after watching the tape. I, after looking at just, you know, the rough highlights and the stats, I was like, oh, man, this kid had a terrible year. Then I popped on the tape and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. Everyone's crucifying him. And in reality, let's attribute 12 percent of the New York Jets struggle to him because everything else was just a dumpster fire around him. Let's go back to the bonehead plays and kind of the one thing that is the standout, right? Is that you look at the interceptions, you look at some of these interceptions. Like, I mean, really, you looked at when I was watching your film, I was just like, you just don't do that. This is dumb. Yeah. You just can't. But when I was looking, when I was trying to, I'm trying to look at his career holistically rather than just in a single moment in a single season with a single play comes in early pick to a team that's not great obviously at the moment. Todd Bowles, I have I love this guy. I think he's a, is probably the Jets best head coach. They gave him nothing and he always turned out a great defense. Sam Darnold to me was and this is an outsider, so I won't, I don't watch the Jets super closely, but it looked like his rookie season was like his best year. And then you kind of go into his second year and you see this regression in a way. My question is, is that if you think about the Jets just being a god-awful team last year, just bad, right, is that the fact that they won one game was kind of mind-blowing in a way. We were all sitting here going, it's Trevor Lawrence to the Jets, and then all of a sudden they pulled off a win for Adam Gase somehow. Was any of the kind of these terrible moments – is it exacerbated by Darnold just having to feel like we got to come back? We got to like, it's just like, it's just like, I almost would wonder, is it mental fatigue of just having to always make some sort of amazing play to even be in the game? You're already been down 30 at this point or something like that. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with when you feel like you're always in comeback mode, you're going to start, you know, like think about basketball, right? If you're in comeback mode, you start jacking up some threes that those wouldn't fly if this was a tight game. Right. But Hey, we're right. in comeback mode. So go ahead and pull the trigger. And I think that's what you saw a lot on tape. I think, you know, more or less, you just saw an erosion of, you know, protection. And then you like, listen, I, <laughs> I, I'm not like a great football fan, like, uh, you know, I, I don't watch a ton on Sundays. I, I usually am working. But, you know, I watch all the tape. It was hard for me to pick out a Jets player that I was like, oh, wow, I'd trade for him. Like, everybody was like, oh, God. Like, it's just yeah. not, you know. Even Jamal Adams was running for the hills. He even forced his way up. <laughs> you know, they lost some 50-50 balls that really were 80-20 
balls and somehow it gets intercepted. And it's just, yeah, I don't, I, I think you have to put a lot of it from an organizational standpoint. And that's why I do think the Jets probably looked at it from, hey, it's time for us to move on, but it's also time for Sam to move on because he is uber talented. And I just think there's certain times where just, everything gets kind of eroded between a quarterback and an organization. And I, and I think it was for the best, but you brought up a great point. It's true, right? When, when you're getting your butt kicked all the time and you're down 21, of course, you're going to start, you know, throwing late down the middle and trying to drive a post against cover three. You're just going to do stuff because, Hey man, we got to come back. And guess what? If we don't, we only lost by 20 or we lost by 28 instead of 24, right? Does it really matter at that point? No, because your job's the win. So I think, I, I think you brought up a fair point. And I think when you look at the tape, there were a couple where it's just, hey, that's a bad break or he's trying to press and, and that's all it is. Tell us about PJ Walker, how you know him. Tell us tell us about your connection to him. I mean, I, well, we started, I started, PJ was in one of my first draft classes. So PJ super special to me. He came out, uh, you know, lived in the house and, <laughs> you know, we, we, we got him from Temple and then, you know, I mean, that kid, I, I want to, you talk about a hard worker. That kid goes from, you know, Temple to everybody's telling him too sh- he's too short. He gets cut by the Colts a million times, goes to the XFL and then sticks with you guys. You know, when I, when I, when I look at PJ, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm pulling for him and I'm biased and I, I'd love to see him get a real shot when he's got a week to prep. Um, but he's just a hardworking kid, right? He, he, he comes out every summer or comes out every summer. He was here you know, a month ago and he was playing, you know, Nerf basketball with my little four-year-old boy on that hoop down here. So he just, uh, he's a great dude. He works his butt off and PJ, you know, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to meet him, but he's one of those kids that, you know, he's just, he's world-class. He loves the game. He keeps to himself. He's not, (laughs) he's not going to get in any trouble and he works his ass off. So for me, I'm a, I'm a huge PJ Walker fan. (laughs) Tim, let me tell you, we have a bunch of fans especially after PJ came in and quarterbacked us to a 20 to zero win over the Detroit lions. Let me tell you, there were a lot more PJ Walker fans amongst the Panthers fan base than there were Bridgewater fans. That's a promise, dude. So yeah, we still have people that come in here that are like, yeah, man, we need to let PJ start. We need to let him have his shot at the starting job, man. So, uh, he definitely flashes big time. Yeah. Here's it a was, tough, uh, question. It, oh, tough question about PJ is this is what's it take for a guy like him to break through in the NFL? Because a lot of us wanted to, you know, you're rooting for those, those moments and those players. We had a guy, we were not big fans of Bridgewater because of limitations on the arm talent. And there's kind of, there's a lot of different things. Um, and we'll get to that in just a moment, but we were of the mindset, and, and part of this was us moving on from Cam. We're big Cam Newton fans, and it was tough leaving our quarterback and cutting him to the wind. So we were kind of thinking, man, we wanted to run this. If you're going to get rid of Cam, don't bring in Bridgewater. Let's run this with Will Greer and P.J. Walker, and let's see what happens. And at the worst-case scenario, we're just at the top of the draft like we were going to probably be anyway. That would have been a situation where maybe PJ could get a chance. And if he shows out and stuff, maybe he could secure a back, like a, a more important position with the team. Then you're starting to wonder if Teddy Bridgewater would have gotten hurt, which he kind of did for a moment. And it gave PJ an opportunity. 
what kind of team does PJ need to be with to get a shot? And is, how hard is it on these guys? You've been in the NFL. It's like a it's like an Olympian battle, a Herculean battle to say you get one shot this game and you're either going to we're going to stink highly of you or you're tossed to the trash can. It's a tough thing. What would it take for him to get a shot? And did was this kind of the moment and it just the Panthers didn't give it to him kind of. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a great question uh, for one to get a shot really in reality, all these guys, any of these guys need a game and then a week to prep. And that's kind of what you saw from his start, right? The red zone turnover you can't have, but, or I guess both of them, but it, it's, you know, you need a, you need a week and then you need a game. I mean, you saw Heineke right in, in Washington and now the dude signed a what $10 million contract and, you really, you know, you're rooting for these guys. I, you know, I honestly, from the outside looking in, my best case scenario was I thought Carolina was going to get rid of Teddy and then try to trade up and draft like Trey Lance. And I was like, oh, that's perfect because PJ will start the first six games and then he'll never give that job back. Right. That's, you <laughs> nice. know, yeah. obviously I'm rooting for him. But, you know, that was kind of where I think the best case situation is. You know, you still never know what's going to happen with Teddy, right? There's toxin, you know, I'm, I, I'm in Denver right now, and there's talks that hey, you know, Denver's in the market for Teddy. So, take him, take him, yeah. <laughs> please. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But I do think you know a guy like PJ, the kind of fit is, you know, what Joe Brady does, which is uh, you know primarily from the gun, the modified quick game with the deep shots. That uh, you know PJ's got a can, and so I think that's kind of he's in a great situation. But in reality, PJ's you know wants to make the team again, wants to try to get a few starts like he did last year, and and hopefully perform with them, and then kind of you know uh, hopefully sign a bigger deal for him. So I I think any of these guys though, man, they're just looking for an opportunity. And the NFL is just such a crapshoot, right? We probably don't know who Tom Brady is if Drew Bledsoe never gets hurt, and that's right, that we right. all forget broken, is broken chest or broken yeah. <laughs> sternum or some mess like that. Do you, if you are gonna we this draft is one of the most anticipated drafts, I think, and I've argued that this is going to be one, the most exciting draft, arguably of my generation. And the reason I think this is because it's so quarterback heavy in the beginning. There's an excitement factor there. We've already had trades coming out. I think average fans know the names of the players that are going in the top 10 more so than normal. You know, is that if you had a tackle going at two and then a tackle, you know, it's like, is yeah, is we all think that they're going to be good and they're great and we expect everybody to know what they're doing, but we never really heard of the dude, you know, if you're just a casual fan. But we've all heard at this point ad nauseum about Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson. It's kind of a two-part question. Is If you were going to rank your quarterbacks at those first five or four or five, where you can pick on that, what would your order be as a GM? And then last, there's a point of kind of uh, argument, uh, contention among Panther fans. Some of us do not like Mac Jones, and some people think that Mac Jones is like the – I don't I don't even know what they think. But anyway, your thoughts on Mac Jones after you rank them. Yeah, so uh, I'm not going to be very popular, but here's what I'll tell you. When I look at these guys and when I when I did my film studies on them and then I ranked them, everything had to do with where I think they'll end up and it has nothing to do with where I think they'll be drafted. I, I like to preface that because if you don't draft Trevor Lawrence at one, you just get fired as a GM, right? Like that's just what happens. So unfortunately, no matter what he thought – that's what he's going to have to do. Right. What I would tell you is where I came down on it. 
Zach Wilson at one. The reason I say that, all the arm angle changes are going to give him an advantage. In terms of eye manipulation, he was the best I thought in this class. And I don't mean holding the safety and then throwing a go. I mean manipulating the nickel Sam and curl flat, right? Like high-level stuff that you see from NFL vets, he was doing at BYU. So that's why I had Zach Wilson at one. Trevor Lawrence, I had it too, for all the reasons that a lot of people have Trevor Lawrence at one. The one thing that I would point out on his tape is he struggled immensely against rotational coverages. So, hey, if they started in two and they snapped down to cover one robber or they started in three and rotated back to quarters, he would make an, you know, we would call it an eye error, right, which is looking to the wrong side, damn near every time. So that's not something that's like, oh, it's okay, he'll work his way out of it. That's, to me, worrisome because – We don't talk about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as some of the greatest of all time because they're world-class athletes, right? We talk about them because they process the game and they shred people apart. So, But I would still put Trevor Lawrence at two. I have Justin Fields and Mac Jones dead even at three, and it's literally based on system, right? It's whoever you want. The Justin Fields processing debate and all that stuff, to me, not real, right? Justin Fields does a great job processing the game. The issue is Ohio State's offense. Ohio State's offense doesn't have built-in sights. It looks like Star Wars. It's some of the worst stuff I've ever seen. The way the coaching staff, the the system they ran for him against Alabama in the national championship game was criminal. Like, they could have done so much, and they just basically said, hey, Nick Saban, we know you created this, you know, quarters match man defense to stop these concepts, and we're going to run them against you. Like, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Mac Jones. The reason I love Mac Jones, and I hate doing this to people, is for all of the, you know, I would call it work in the dark that he does at the line of scrimmage. It's all the unsexy stuff. The amount of times that he got Alabama in and out of the correct run play at the line of scrimmage was more than we've seen any prospect to date do. Like, they ran a ton of, hey, 60 Bruce, kill the 50 OP, and it's always based on a box count, and he always got them to the right side. So it's like stuff that's not sexy or he manipulated the mic a ton to account for protection. Those are two things that when you look at if San Fran really traded up to get him, that's why is because they believed in everything he was doing at the line of scrimmage with the run game, manipulating protections. And then not to mention when you watch Alabama's offense, it's easy to project guys because, you know, you see deep over, you see the Harveys, you see the stick at eight posts, you kind of see, all that stuff. So that's where I would say I think Mac Jones, Justin Fields, it's based on really, you know, what kind of guy you want. Then I have I have Kellen Mond at five, and I have oh, Jamie Newman at six. Yeah, I have Trey Lance at seven. If you're if this is wow. like that, oh my god, I, I yeah. thought you I watched your Trey Lance video and you liked him. <laughs> I like him. I I I I have nothing against the kid. Everything that you've been sold from what he does at the line of scrimmage, though, is a lie. Like, everyone's like, okay, uh, here's a great one. I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm the only one that's seen these quotes, but everyone says, hey, he set the protection. No, he didn't. The center at North Dakota State points the mic. So how could he possibly set the protection? Unless North Dakota State has some sort of different, you know, system for identifying the mic than everybody else. But when the center's going like this, the center's pointing the mic. Then everyone says, oh, he was in charge of the backside of the play. No, he wasn't. He never signaled anything. So, like, I get that it's, you know, listen, it's, it was my job to lie about PJ to help his draft stock. That's what coaches do. We lie 
to make our guys go up the draft board. And everyone's like, oh, well, then someone won't take you serious next time. Bullshit. The next time we have another top guy, we'll, we'll just say it again. And the scouts are going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what he's saying. Like, don't get that. That's not true. Uh... He so, said this. This my man said. I I like Mac Jones for all the unsexy things, but he didn't say the most unsexy thing about him, which is his dad ass body. <laughs> this guy looks like he smoked <laughs> cigarettes and then walked out onto the football field. Is there any? Uh, uh, and and I guess back to Trey Lance just on this yeah. again. I will take your. I will. I've watched your videos. You know what you're talking about. I am just a fan talking about things from a very biased perspective. The one thing I did like when I watched Trey Lance, though, is that he operated under center a lot. And I, when I watched the other quarterbacks, and I watched the Justin Fields, your Justin Fields video, and I thought I kept watching. I was like, when are we going to see him not in the gun? And I know that's not entirely his fault, but I did like that about Trey Lance. Are there any issues or, or thought? I think Trevor Lawrence is another one like this. Is that always out of the gun? I mean, yeah, you've got to factor it in, especially if it's something that you really want to do, right? If, you, if you're sitting there saying, hey, we've got to be under center for run game and run action, then I, you know, then, then yeah, it's something you got to be concerned about. That my my only other caveat with Trey Lance, and again, I always have to like go super hard against him because everyone loves him, and I, I, he could be a good, he is a good prospect. It's just where we're comparing him, I don't feel as accurate. And then everyone always goes, "Well, Mac Jan or Mac Jones was the guys he was playing with were so talented. Talent doesn't matter. It's not about who you're playing with. It's the talent spread by comparison." Mac Jones, with his roster in the SEC, the talent is more relative there than North Dakota State against anyone they played. North Dakota State, there's a play that I highlight on Trey Lance where the tight end's legitimately open by 30 yards on each side. Like, I'm not making it. There's legitimately 30 yards between the nearest defender. Show me that clip on Mac Jones. Like, it doesn't exist. Show me that clip on Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. And and so for me, it's like, you know, we've kind of built Trey Lance. I saw someone call him Andrew Luck, and it just was like, okay, like, I guess we just say anything. It would be easier for me to just get on Twitter and be like, yeah, uh, you know, Trey Lance is the next coming of Andrew Luck, and, and you know, Mac Jones isn't athletic, but I just don't think that that's like a – for me, it like wasn't Colin part Kaepernick of my evaluation. He looks like Colin Kaepernick in some ways. Uh, does He's a beast Mac- athletically. You got to. Does we Mac be Jones have the that. arm? Does well, Mac well, Jones have well, the arm that everybody says? Well, I want I yeah. wanted to jump in and and ask Tim a, a question on this because you're talking about physical potential, right? And how how Trey Lance, you know, he's definitely physically gifted. No one can say that he isn't, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at a guy like said Justin Herbert last year, going from Oregon to the Chargers, the plays that he were that he was making downfield. It was, you know, no, none of the best analysts in the game ever thought that Justin Herbert was going to make that much of a jump in his accuracy down the football field. So how, how do you, you know, pinpoint the, the, the jump a player may or may not be able to take? Like, just because you haven't seen a player do a lot of something, it doesn't necessarily mean that under 
you know, the right circumstances, maybe with a year to sit, that he might not be able to pick up on that very quick, which from all the reports, they say that Trey Lance is a very quick learner, that he does pick up things very often. So how do you gauge how fast a player may or may not be able to pick up new concepts that he didn't have to work with in college? That's right. So, well, I actually watched Justin Fe- or uh, Justin Herbert this week, so this is actually a perfect question. Okay, cool. What the Chargers did with him, which I thought was fascinating and what more NFL teams need to do, the amount of empty that they ran to really declutter the box and simplify his progression was tremendous, and that expedited his learning curve. And I think you saw that build throughout the season to where – then they started bringing more bunch and condensed sets in. You know, that's why Cam struggled in New England. Cam didn't struggle because I think Cam's bad. Uh, Cam struggled because the amount of condensed sets New England runs, you can't account for nickel pressure the same as when you're spread. And when he was in Carolina, it was all spread. So I do think teams need to get into more empty, get into more 10 to really help young quarterbacks. Um, you know, from the aspect of can he sit and learn? Absolutely. The only caveat I would tell you, and this is what I've been telling everybody, just be careful what you hear the narrative of, hey, from everything we've heard, he's a quick learner. There was a quarterback who came from LSU, who everyone in LSU's building said is the hardest working kid we've ever had. Then he got to Oakland, and he couldn't put down the purple drink. And now we all know him as Jamarcus Russell. (laughs) For me, it's like, it's like, yeah, I appreciate what the college coaches say, but like, let's not forget LSU pounding the table for Jamarcus Russell as the best worker they've ever had, and then Oakland being like, "Hey, his fat ass won't show up for camp." So for me, it's like, you know, we gotta he was we gotta scissor. take everything they say with a uh, with the greatest salt. He was, <laughs> he was slipping that scissor. Yeah, what was that you were saying about coaches lying for their guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing it. Listen, I do it every day. I got a bunch of college coaches that'll ask me about our high school guys, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, he's the smartest kid I've had. He's got like a D in Algebra 1, right? But, you know, you just got to – your job is to help your guys, and, and that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. um, so I have a few that's kind of built up along this. Uh, first, I want to go back to P.J. Walker, um, and it seems that you guys have a pretty close relationship. After his game where he did – obviously, we won – and and he was able to we won twenty to zero. A lot of that having to do with the defense and your know, offense, not just you know throwing the game away, but those red zone interceptions had a lot. Cody is right; there were a lot of PJ fans, but I think he's over exaggerating. There were a lot of PJ haters because of those interceptions. What was that conversation with him like afterwards, or did you even have a chance to talk to him about those uh, those yeah. interceptions? Yeah, I talked to him. Right, I mean, the, the instant reaction right after the game was, hey, he's real pumped up. He just won his first NFL start. Yeah. Um, you know, on Monday, the conversation was quickly around, like, what the hell happened? You didn't see the corner? And, yeah. like, you know, there his two interceptions were one of those where it's, you know, one needs to be a high hat in the back pylon, and the other's just a no throw. So I think it's, you know, for us, there were different – progressions that we addressed when he was out here in the spring, there were different issues that I saw yeah. that like, yeah, of course, fans and analysts were going to hammer the red zone picks, but there were other things that I thought he missed throughout the game that we really wanted to work on. And then the off, you know, the off script throws, you know, you guys run a ton of, I call it YN. they have a different name for it, but it's just a seam with a big dig, 
you know, PJ trying to hit either first window or second window. That was something that we were trying to work on a lot out here. So there's a lot of nuance side of it that really we kind of addressed on Monday, but you yeah. know, the gut instinct was your pump for the kid, right? He just yeah. won his first NFL start. Shut out. Um, you know, it was, <laughs> listen, it was pretty funny too. Cause we run a lot of our group training sessions on Sunday. Um, so there's a couple pictures of me, like follow, you know, just carrying my phone around so we could, you know, stream the game and, <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, young quarterbacks that have worked out with them side by side because PJ always comes out and kind of works next to some of the other kiddos on, you know, Sundays to make them feel the love. And it was it was a cool experience. But, no, there was a lot of stuff that that we needed to address after the start. And um, and hopefully we got it all out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that that was a, a, a learning experience. Obviously, it's great to have a learning experience out of the good times and not necessarily all the bad times. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, definitely one of the highlights of our season to see him go out there. The moment he threw that first deep ball, I, you know, we were all just like, oh, yes, we're this is what we've been waiting for. Please, please, please come back to the team or yeah. come back yeah. to next, <laughs> next week. We were just all we – I'm not going to say exactly we what was We were rooting for that knee injury. We were rooting for that knee injury. There were some statements of arousal that took place in the podcast after. I'll just state that. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the second question I have is going back to Darnold. Um, so Darnold's coming to the Panthers. If you were in Darnold's shoes, you look at the Panthers, you see – the coaching staff, you see the, the the offensive weapons. What is it that makes you most excited about the Panthers as Darnold that you didn't have when you were a Jet? Uh, I, I would say the full field progression plays. Like, I would look at the tape and be excited. You know, everything in New York was kind of built on half-line reads. You guys are really built more on full field progressions, meaning like, hey, we like this play against every coverage, and here's where your eyes are going to go, right? One, two, three. You know, you guys have some PSLs in there too, but man, I, you know, I would be most excited from the fact that I have some, I have one, I have guys who can actually stretch the field, but then two, I have, you know, I have probably one of the brightest young minds in football and not to mention, I, I have a running back who's going to be able to change the game just because I'm going to be able to, you know, motion him back to the backfield, find out man zone quickly. There's just so much that an elite back gets you. And, yeah. uh, I, but I would tell you the playbook. I would just playbook. look at what they did last year on tape and I'd say, man, I can't wait to get there. And, yeah. And it looked like he was thinking that, man. The reaction video he had was, uh, it looked like he was ready to get the heck out of New, uh, New York. And, oh, yeah. yeah. He was had a, they had a party. They had a yeah, damn yeah. party. They had a party. I wanted to ask you about, um, the idea what what have you heard about i guess the panthers in the way that the the coaches are teachers and the reason that i asked is actually two part questions like have you heard anything about how they teach because that we thought that the rules staff that they put together that seemed to be a strength is that these guys know how to beat it's one thing to a, a teacher is like those who can't do teach I am a. I teach history for a living. I'm a college history instructor at, at a community college, but the, my like we there's a gift in being able to teach, right? And some of the things with the old hats, I, I thought maybe was their inability to reach young players. So, what have you heard about their ability to teach? And then, second, if you could just comment on what you think about Joe Brady being this young in such a big stage with really relatively little experience, your thoughts on just that whole situation. 
Yeah, so I mean, from the ability to teach, I think a lot of that comes from they got a they got a lot of college guys, right, or guys with college experience, and and that level really is more about player development, right? The NFL, it is player development centric, but let's be honest, it's you know, hey, do your job, or we're going to fire you and find someone else. So I think you know, the, anytime you get guys from the college game, you're going to get better teachers. Um, you know, what I'd say about his his inexperience, you know, I I I text a lot of our guys this quote is you know, hey, experts, you know, an amateur built the ark and experts built the Titanic, right? So, you know, in terms of experience, it doesn't necessarily always translate to to everything. And I think, you know, sometimes when you got a young guy who's willing to push the boundaries, you get some innovative play calls. So I, I, I think, you know, when I looked at your guys' tape, man, you guys were on, you guys were inside and on every single cutting edge thing that happened this year. You know, Samurai was like the most popular play in the NFL, which is a deep post with a, or a, stick it a post with a deep over you guys ran it like week two. So you guys were ahead of the curve with everything. I I, I do think that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about him. I, you know, to me, the bigger concern were teams that were looking for him as the head coach. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, you know, it's one thing right. to be an offensive Too coordinator early. where you, yeah, where you get to, you know, enjoy what you do. It's a whole nother to be a head coach. Right. And, and have to uh, answer the play call. So, uh, or answer, you know, just for everything, not just your play call. So I, I do think that's where I would worry about it. But from an offensive coordinator perspective, I thought, you know, based on the film, you guys were ahead of the curve on most stuff. And then you guys caught up to anything else that was trending in the NFL quickly. So he was doing a good job or whoever's, you know, in the Carolina Panthers who's watching everyone else's tape was doing a good job of flagging concepts they thought could be successful. You've been in NFL training camps. I've just watched them from the outside of the fence. One of the things that's interesting to me is that we've heard actually I've I've interviewed a lot of old players like we used we we did this used to do this segment where that where's that cat now and I would catch up with former Panthers and see what they're doing and then I like I said I'm a historian so I go read the newspaper for like their whole 12 year career and find all these little stories they loved it a lot of times I saw these guys they were talking about the two a days, the hard hitting, people breaking jaws in practice, this and that. Now with the in the the agreements that we have is that, and this is college and pros, less hitting, less practice, less mm-hmm. this. So I've gone to these training camps ever since I was started this podcast. And the thing I, I want to just get your perspective, I've always said this, they call it practice. But when I think about practice, it's about doing the same thing over like 1,200 times. I watch these guys, and they practice it one time. They go run this route one time. Each receiver does it once, and that's it. It's over. Speak to how do you how do you break – I don't even know what the question is on this. It's just like how do you do that if you're a player on the edge, the bubble – yeah. How do you even fit into that world where you get one rep and by the time they get to your rep, nobody's watching? Yeah, I, you know, it is. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. You know, when I was in St. Louis, it was kind of at the beginning. You know, obviously it's old because St. Louis, that's a whole different story. I can't wait till my little boy is old enough to realize that I played football. It'll be like that. What team do you play for? And I'll say St. Louis. He's like, a team's out there. You didn't play in the NFL. Right? I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, you know, I, when I was there, it was right on the cusp, right? You know, Brian Schottenheimer was my OC and he would talk about going with his dad, Marty to training camp. And, you know, man, it was crazy. And they would tell these stories 
I looked around and I was like, I don't know how the heck an undrafted linebacker makes a team. Like you don't hit. Right. So how are they going to know if you can tackle? And then they don't care. And then you're just stuck doing seven on seven, which you're not going to be good at because you're a linebacker who hits people for a living. So, you know, that's tough. And then now when you talk about it from the reduced OTAs or, hey, we're going to do virtual or this or this or this, you know, I and, and again, I'm not going to begin to give my opinion on everything because I'm not a doctor. I'm a quarterback coach. I have no idea sure. what's going right. on right now. But I do know that virtual learning right? When I look at my four-year-old trying to do virtual preschool, like the dude doesn't do it, right? He just bounces around. I, you know, virtual install when we had to do it back in the spring, like our kids didn't understand, like, you know, we were just happy that they weren't playing Xbox for a little bit, but that's really all you're going to get out of it. So I think, you know, it is tougher right now as a young guy to learn a system and to not only learn the system, right, but to execute it. Because, what we forgot, the most important part of OTAs is filming yourself doing it, right? Because you would go out there, they would get filmed, and then they would coach the tape later. Well, none of these guys had this this year. So that's where, you know, honestly, going back to your, co- your you know, teaching, that's how you know these guys are great teachers is because – Yeah, they, they did it have, in an environment where they yeah. didn't even get to meet with the players. They had to do yeah. this. And you guys had very few MAs. You had very few missed assignments when I was watching your tape. It wasn't like you had receivers busting routes. Like, that obviously was taught at a high level for these guys to get it. So, you know, I tell you, for the young guys now, it's tough, man. And and if if the collective bargaining agreement goes the way a lot of people are saying, it's going to be even less reps in the preseason, which, you know, to me, and, and I hate sounding like a back in my day or like a prick, but right. like – you know, when you fight for la- when you fight for less reps, you know, I get why guys like that are, you know, in their 10th year want that, but it's not about you, right? It's about the dude who's trying to make the team. Like, let's be honest, if you're a 10 year vet, they're going to sit your ass half a training right. camp anyways, the rest of you. So on like, the what are you sad that get you on have the to bicycle. go out there? Yeah. What are the, you sad you have to go out there and watch? Like the more practice time, the better for these young guys. And and I do, uh, you know, I, I hope that some of this stuff stays or at least some of it becomes more like, hey, OK, we're going to get rid of OTAs, but the rookies are still going to come in because if it if they don't do that, you know, that's a whole nother discussion on did Carolina trade for Sam Darnold because they couldn't trade with Atlanta or did they trade for Sam Darnold because they thought we were going to be virtual this whole year and they didn't want to try to teach Trey Lance their offense virtually. Right. There's. There's some different thought processes behind the scenes of people saying, oh, do I really want a rookie right now? Like, if I can't teach him anything? We saw that in Denver. In Denver, you know, people are ready to run Drew Locke out of town. And quite frankly, the first 10 weeks of the season just honestly looked like training camp. Like, they had dudes busting left and right. So it's it's just a tough situation to be in for those young guys. My final question that I'm going to give, and I know you get, we've taken so much of your time. Oh, we so good. appreciate it, man. We love this. We do this all every Tuesday. Our show goes for over three hours. We got people calling in because this is what we do. We dissect and we just keep going. This is what we, this is what fans want, actually, instead of a yep. surface level <laughs> conversation. My question is a, one about an argument that's happened with Panther fans for the last year. There have been people who have been ardent Teddy Bridgewater defenders, and there have been uh, a, a half of uh, more than half of us who have been very critical of Teddy's ceiling. 
And the idea is this. My question is ultimately this. Can you build, can you realistically build an NFL team with the idea that you have a guy who is just a a decent player that isn't going to crash the car? The we're going to build, everything else seems to have to be perfect to me for this to work. The defense has to be fantastic. The offensive line has to be great. You have to have all receivers that make plays when they're not plays because you have a quarterback who is a Brad John, maybe not Brad John, who's the uh, Dilfer. Uh, Dilfer is the example of it. Is that a realistic, like for the people who continue to tell us that Teddy Bridgewater is not gotten a fair shake because he didn't have a good defense because they were all rookies because he didn't have an offensive line and that we need to put tools around him and build and build and build. Is that really, is that realistic? What are your thoughts on that? Because we, we have a feeling like this is, is that the, the upside just isn't there and it's not a knock on him entirely. Like what he does good is good, right? It's like he doesn't turn the ball over. He calls the plays at the line. He does all of this. But the limitations put you at such a dim- disadvantage in some ways. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, it's a it's a great question. And it's what I think every NFL team wrestles with. But what I tell you is you can win. You can win a Super Bowl with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. You can't win it with his current price tag. So that's the discussion, right? Because Teddy Bridgewater is, by and large, an average to above average NFL quarterback. You can win with that if your team is elite. The issue is, is you can't pay somebody the amount of money that you guys are paying Teddy and be elite, right? I I think, you know, you might, the Cowboys are going to be in an interesting spot, right? Because Dak Prescott's one of those guys that, man, you see flashes where he can carry a squad. But you also see some stuff where it's like, do I really want to pay him top dollar? You guys pay Teddy top dollar, right? If you pay someone top dollar, it's tough to win with them if they're not in the Aaron Rodgers category. Like, look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. They paid him and everybody else left. And Seattle hasn't really, you know, they've they've won, but they're not really someone who you're like is going to win a Super Bowl. So that's where it's it's a tough conversation. It's a, you know, and it's one of those things where there's a lot of guys in this league you can win with. Tannehill is a perfect example of it. But the price tag has to be right and the team has to be right. And then there's very there are very few there are very few Aaron Rodgers left walking around on planet Earth where it's like give the dude whatever and they'll be in the playoffs. That doesn't exist. You guys almost sold the farm for Deshaun Watson who like I'm a huge Deshaun Watson fan from a talent perspective, but like they still got their ass kicked every week. So I don't want to hear transcendent superstar if he got his ass kicked, right? Like that's just, and a lot of people are like, well, QB wins don't matter. It's like, okay, that's like saying that a stock price doesn't matter to a CEO, right? Like that's his job to get the stock price higher. The same way an NFL quarterback's job is to win football games. So I don't know. I, I have a hard time with it, but I do think there's the argument to be had and in Teddy's case, unfortunately, I just don't think – I think he can win in the NFL. I just don't think it's at the dollar that he's going to – you know, that he'll command in the market. And that's unfortunately why he'll be stuck in this kind of never-ending cycle of of being on a, you know, decently bad to decently good team. 
Is there anything to the idea, though, that that could work if everything goes, even if you're even talking about contractually at this point, everything has to go right. But when you have a star, a superstar, you can potentially win from year to year when everything doesn't go perfectly. Yeah, a superstar gets you into the conversation every year. Right. Right. Uh, what I would tell you is the way things break, the 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 perfect the perfect example of Teddy Bridgewater being able to make it to a Super Bowl in recent memory for me would be Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Both shook right because they were on their rookie contract and the team was good and they played at a good enough level to get their teams to the Super Bowl. Right. Unfortunately for both of them, you know. Garoppolo ran into Patrick Mahomes and then Goff ran into Tom Brady, right? Pretty decent guys. And that's the argument, right? Hey, but if you're a superstar, then do you just, you know, kind of have your team there on the cusp every year? Yeah, probably. So I think that's where it's, it's that conversation, man. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that every NFL organization needs to wrestle with. Uh, The thing that's hard is quarterbacks just so noticeable, right? If your team doesn't have a good quarterback, it's so noticeable that it drives your fan base so crazy that you pay a guy like Teddy. What are you guys paying him? Like, uh, like twenty five. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's not even a top top, but it's starting money. It's starting. It's yeah. legit starting but money. Twenty five the problem, dollars. The problem isn't even the amount; it's the longevity of the contract. That yeah. was the real problem. That it was three years, sixty four million. Where like 40 or something was guaranteed he really got uh a st- he robbed us and yeah. marty herney sold us down the fucking river on that all right last questions for tim jenkins guys who's got one i got one i got a uh, uh it's it's all in the same category but it's a two-parter we have the draft coming up as the carolina panthers at the eighth pick Right now, we have a lot of different decisions to make. Do we take a corner? Do we take a left tackle? There are some people even saying we still are in the market for some of those quarterbacks that may still be available when the eighth uh, pick comes around. What is the pick that, as a Sam Darnold uh, fan, would you say we need to do? And what is the one pick we cannot make if we are a Sam Darnold fan? Oh, gosh. Uh, The pick you can't make is uh, a quarterback at eight. Like if you take a quarterback at eight, you basically just, you know, it just traded. doesn't make sense. You yeah. traded three picks away for no reason. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I wouldn't take a quarterback at eight. You know, the kid, the kid that, I, you know, uh, again, how realistic it is that he gets to you guys, for me, wouldn't be either what you mentioned. It'd be Pitts. If you added a tight end to – Yeah, if you guys added a tight end to what you guys have, I mean, good God, how explosive your offense could be. And now you're talking about Pitts – Here's because here's like here's where my mind goes, and I'm a football geek, and I and and I hope this makes sense to everybody. But when when it's Christian McCaffrey and Pitts is your eleven personnel, when you get into eleven, you force teams into either base or nickel, right? Nickel's really base, but you you force them into base or nickel, knowing that you could still get into five wide sets with two linebackers on the field. Good God, like that's that's a wet dream for Joe Brady. Like he wakes up in the middle of the night sweating and excited if he has Kyle Pitts. It's just like the stuff that you could do is insane. So I, I mean, being an offensive guy and being like you know X's and O's minded, I would love to see Pitts. 
obviously, you know, you guys are going to know better their need. I tell everybody, like, listen, I, I have no idea. You know, I, I do all these breakdowns from whether I think the guy's good or not. Like, I, I have no idea what the Carolina Panthers need. But I do think, knowing what you guys have on offense, if you added a tight end to the mix, <laughs> you know, let well, yeah, agree not, it doesn't matter. I- I am a I am an ardent opponent of drafting tight ends in the first round because we always hear these wonderful names that are going to be the next whatever and really Kittle and who's the uh, it's Kittle and Kelsey and neither, neither of these guys yeah. are drafted in the first round but the one thing though is that some people are now because the Mel Kuypers or whatever Mike what is it Mel Kuyper or Mike Kuyper whatever his name is there now there's so many mock drafts they got to mix it up to stick out and now um they're kind of draft or mocking to the Panthers a wide receiver and I'm an anti tight end but the idea is that Cal Pitts you can put him into this offense and you're not taking away reps from DJ you're not taking away reps from Robbie Anderson it, it just is a plug and play offense at that uh, plug and play moment. So the interesting, that's an interesting uh, yeah. answer, and that the fans are going to go crazy. Cody, you got any, uh, anything last to say before we say goodbye? Oh, uh, I just wanted to say, listen, you have a ton of fans in our chat room, man. Everyone's saying <laughs> they, they they love the the insight that you brought tonight. Um, we've even had a few people that have said they've gone to your channel and subscribed. So. You've definitely made some fans here tonight. I think you've brought some great insight, and I think you've kind of reinforced a lot of the hope that Panther fans do have about Sam Darnold, you know? So many people were kind of ready to write him off, but when you look at the context and you look at the film, you see that there really is something there, and um, Panther fans are hopeful that we might have something, and you kind of bolstered those hopes so um you've been a great guest man i don't really have too many questions for you but i'm a fan of your content and um as something of a of a uh film reviewer myself i try and get better at, at quarterbacks and different coverages and screens and uh, you know looking at different plays and stuff so i found your channel to be very informative and very helpful so um i love the content you're doing man and i appreciate you joining us tonight I appreciate you guys, man. It was a blast. And we got, you know, I got three kiddos at home. So anytime I can get out of bath duty is a uh, plus for me. So I appreciate you guys. <laughs> All right, Tim, tell them how they can find your work. Uh, just, you know, uh, on Twitter, I'm at T Jenkins Elite. And if they have a quarterback in Houston, Phoenix, or Denver, you know, we have locations there and they can just find us on JenkinsElite.com. But um yeah you can search it you know youtube it's all things qb and and hopefully it just it helps watch the game and you know i started like i started doing all this by accident i was just trying to put out some stuff you know because i would tweet hey you know the broncos just ran this play and people were like what the hell is that so i started trying to put out breakdowns on what the plays were and and hopefully it just makes watching the game a little bit more fun because this is the like you guys know man it's the greatest game on planet earth and, and and hopefully it it makes it a little bit better so i appreciate you guys and let me know whenever you need me back. I'd love to hop back on. Man, thank you so much. Check out uh, Tim Jenkins, and you can find him with All Things QB on YouTube. Uh, Jenkins Elite, it's wonderful. We appreciate it, Tim. We will fi- find out how you don't get copyright claims every time. That's what we want to know. <laughs> Good God, every time we look I at think film, I'm just they, so go, <laughs> they go, bing, so, bing, bing. 
It's too small. It's too small. So I think they let me slide. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, we're hey. smaller. They don't let us slide. No, I think he's talking about the segments that he puts his own errors up. All right. That's Tim Jenkins. I appreciate you guys. It. Thank you. Have a good one. Go watch those kiddos. Um, all right, guys, man. One of the best guests, I got to say, arguably, that we've had on in a long, long time here. Love it. Love uh, we got Fantastic. a lot of information on quarterback Sam Darnold's and insight into PJ Walker and different people. Let's go ahead, guys. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Be a part of the show. Let's go ahead and jump into the cat calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels two, good. Like and a three and a four and a Who's that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in his nose? Who's that kid that can use one? What's up? What's up? You know what to do. Smash the like button. Subscribe to Samuel, all that. CK, here for your job. You know what it is. So, it's your boy Blake B. I feel like I haven't been tagging my calls. So, Tony, this is call number one. Okay, call number one. Okay. I was watching the, uh, the Sam Darnold presser. And homeboy uses the filler phrase, you know, more than Tony references Teddy's dick. So <laughs> that's what I took from that interview. He is as boring to listen to as watching paint dry. My I agree. I, you're right. You're right. Hey, here's what I'm thinking. So right. Yes. Yeah. What's up, Chuck, by the way? Shout out to Chuck from Elizabeth City. Yo, what's <laughs> up? Okay. So... Here's what I'm thinking. For next week's show, we need a C3 Carolina Panthers podcast official mock draft. Ooh. I don't, I mean, not just something, hey, I'll take this at number number eight or uh, this is what we're going to do. I want an official Cody does this. Panthers mock draft from you boys. I mean, Let hey, me you do give it. us homework It's like me filling out the Here's NCAA bracket. About, uh, or a shirt that I'm talking about making. So hey, for next week, I can have that ready. If you boys can have a, uh, a, a official mock draft ready. And Tony, you know what I'm talking about. You know what shirt I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Let's let's do this thing. Keep pounding. Right around stuff. <laughs> Is it right around stuff? <laughs> can you uh, hook us up with the official mock draft? Cody? Yeah, man, I did. I did one on uh, on one of those film reviews. I did uh, next uh, week. The pressure is on. The pressure is on. You bring you bring it, and then we'll poke holes in it. I'm I'm ready, man. Um, by the way, uh, I was I was hit up by Rashad from the Panther Nation podcast that they're going to do a mock draft on Sunday, and he invited me to come on and be a part of a of a Panther round table there too. So that ought to be fun. And we'll see about getting those guys over here on this channel too, and doing some more crossover Panthers content. So yeah, yeah we, we can definitely, we can definitely we do some more draft stuff. Yeah. I think I like that idea. I'm glad you're going to be over there with them. I think we need to, our, for whatever reason, Panthers podcast nation is so like 
like it feels like they're just battling one another as opposed to like let's bring each other up man let's uh let's give people as much content as they can and i like that you're going over there to help them out man yep um all right so i'm gonna shout out to at it's panther blue on youtube he tweeted this today and i'm gonna go ahead and put it out there for the listeners we are doing it on draft night thursday the 29th i believe it is we are going to be hosting our ninth i think this is our ninth eighth or ninth uh we started with the first one we ever did was kelvin benjamin so whatever 2014, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. This is our eighth live draft show. We're on opening night. We watch the first round. We cycle in guests about uh, we're going to have Scott Mason on right during the New York Jets pick. We're going to be reacting to the picks and uh, all the picks going on and commentating it. At Panth- at It's Panther Blue said, what do you guys think of a fun contest for draft night where we all submit our predictions for the top 10 picks? We will do this. So what I'm I down. need you guys to do is all the listeners, you're listening on um, the iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, you're listening to the podcast later, uh, you're watching in the Facebook or Periscope or Twitter or, or YouTube right now. You've got to message me the pit 10, the first 10 picks. And the person who gets the most will get a prize from me. I'll, put, I'll pull out the prize bag. Now, the question is, how are you going to message me? That's a big deal here because I got to keep up with all of it. I want to say this is I think it would be great if what you did is you went into discord and you dropped a message in there where you put your tin. What what we can do is we can create a channel for this contest. Like we can Mm. say, and then that way it's not just randomly throughout that entire, like you only, only people that are going in there is to post their tin picks and then it makes it just easy as pie. The only issue with that is copycats, right? So there is the issue of of do I want the same to put- picks? Oh yeah, if you got the same ten picks, yeah. Well, then what we'll do is this copycats. Then the what we'll do is we then goes name in a hat. So is that if there are ten people that have seven correct picks? will go name in the hat for the prize. And if it's that, if there's that many people, uh, I might even give out more than one prize too. I'm not going to guarantee everybody gets something, but I got, I got a closet full of t-shirts and some tat cam wows and some different things. We'll make sure everybody gets hooked up somehow. So right now the official way to do it is there's going to be two ways we're going to set up a discord channel that'll be ready next week. We'll give the link out and all the show notes and things like that coming up. You can do that, or you can email me at Carolina cat chronicles at Gmail. Those are the two ways I'm going to accept it. We'll talk after the show a little bit more if we can expand that a bit, but I got to just be able to keep up with it. And then the show is wild. The draft show is so fun and so awesome. But at the same time, it's a ton of crazy work on me 
And I almost missed the whole draft as I talk and host and bring in guests. Thank God Cody can produce now a lot. Let's go to the next call and cover me for a second as well, fellas. What up, Panda Nation? Joseph from Colorado. I, uh, well, I want to know if anybody can do anything to make this draft get here faster because all this <laughs> speculation got me going crazy, but it seems Play like Warzone. Uh, time, it seems to be narrowing down a little bit for Carolina, at least. You know, we seem to have checked just about every box. We got AJ Boye, um, in a cornerback. We, I thought we picked up a few unnamed defensive tackles, but I was thinking that, uh, a talented three tech would be a, a excellent addition for us. I don't know if we picked that up, but we certainly got some bodies in there that give us a nice rotation. Um, I'm really looking forward to the draft. I feel like it's got to be an offensive tackle, man. Penesul would look so good in the black and blue, and I can't wait to see it happen. Um, I was looking over the roster, and uh, I realized that we also have a uh, basically another rookie from last season that that I'm excited to see play, and that's Jordan Matt from West Virginia. He opted out for COVID, but uh, I remember when we drafted him, a bunch of West Virginia fans were coming in and saying that that guy was going to be a real leader on the defense, and from watching like highlight reels and stuff, that seems like a real thumper, and he's fast. His sideline speed is, is great. He, he's able to close on, on and make tackles, and he hits with ferocity, so um, I'm looking forward to uh, – I'm just looking – I'm really feeling good about this next season. I think it's going to be a fun to watch. I feel like we're going to be in a lot of these games, and I feel like our coach and staff going to find a way to win it. So uh, – Yeah, great call, man. He's basically talking about the well-roundedness of our defense and what we were able to do yeah. in free agency. And um, and then he was talking about a player on our team to opt out uh, – for COVID uh, defensive tackle, I think. Uh, um, Christian Miller, was it? Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Miller. Uh, defensive uh, – he's a linebacker. And, yeah, he's someone that I really liked uh, coming out of Alabama. Uh, yeah, listen, I think our defense is really going to take a step forward this year. Yeah. I really do think so. I mean, it, when you look at um, our linebackers now uh, upgrading with Perriman and Hassan Reddick, I feel like if Derek Brown takes another step forward this year and really becomes that monster in the middle for us, dude, our linebackers are going to be able to play so fast. We're going to be able to put Brian Burns on some one-on-one matchups on the edge, let him get out in space and just get to the back foot of the offensive tackle and chase the quarterback. So I'm excited about the prospects of our defense this year. Yep. All right. Next call. What's up, gang? This is KB Van, uh, Cody's favorite troll. I come in peace. I just wanted to say uh, good job on the uh, the All-22 film study. I'm about halfway through it now. What up, Carl? And, uh, you're still playing the Rams. Got uh, So I wanted to make a comment about uh, two plays early on in the film study where you said Sam Donald had missed the, uh, missed, missed the throw bad. Uh, and I wanted to say, if you go back and look at that, uh, one was a drag route. I can't remember what the other route was, but they were, uh, I think they were, the plays were back to back. Anyway, uh, if you look, you'll see that the drag route, he's trying to, he's trying to hit the drag route over the middle, but he doesn't have the passing lane. The pressure is in his face. So he has to, he has to sidestep it and move up. By then, he's not open. 
Uh, and that was sort of the same issue with the other play that I'm talking about. Um, so my point is, I guess, is that these guys have got to have passing lanes. They've got to trust their coverage. They've got to trust their, their protection. And when you see him get antsy, when, and this is for all quarterbacks, whether you, whether you, that was for Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, anybody. They've got to have their throwing lanes. Now, I just got finished watching the one pass where he threw it, an absolute dot. And I think it was another drag route. And he threw it almost where it had to be. And nobody, it was, it was probably a, it was probably a MVP throw. Uh, but if you go back and look at that play, you'll see that he has a throwing lane there. And so the guy, the guy is going to be a, if the Jets haven't ruined this guy and he had, when they say seeing ghosts and stuff like that, that means he don't protect his coat. He don't, he don't, he don't trust his, his protection. And that's when you start making bad yes. plays and bad throws and, and second guessing yourself and stuff. But when he feels like he trusts his protection, at least enough, he ain't got a lot of, a, a lot of time to throw. I mean, he, he, he's got quick feet in the pocket. He's, he, he, he you know, evades pressure very well. But his line is just his line is just terrible, and he actually has decent yep. weapons. Uh, I think it's Demarius Thomas, uh, Crowder, uh, Levon Bell. I don't know is Robbie Anderson Robbie Anderson in this. I don't think he is. But it was. I don't think it was uh, Demarius his weapons are Thomas. Bad, but his well, line first is of all, bad. he's been Coaching a bum bad, for a while. Defense is shit. All that. So you know, if we can get this guy and we can we can fix whatever whatever bad. It was somebody, and it's not this guy, but it was someone similar to him. It's like Terrell Pryor or something that they had. No, it was the dude from that was drafted by the Ravens so high. Perry, Perry, not Perry, Perryman. That's who it was last year, if he's talking about that. So what's up? Uh, Keep pounding TV in the house. Big Cat, uh, put your paws up. What's up, um, Big Cat? Uh, he was talking specifically about the film room that I did. And listen, Carl, I 100% agree with you, man. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the big time plays that Sam did make in that film review that I put up, uh, it was after the defense or the offensive line had already been disintegrated and Sam had to roll out and try and make plays on the run and, and make something happen. And that's really what Sam had to do most of the time in that offense, that offensive line did him no favors. So, yeah, I 100% agree with Carl. As weird as that is to say, Carl. But, yeah, man, uh, whenever he has some time to sit back and survey the football field and let him make good decisions, yeah, I think Sam Donald's going to be fine. Uh, I think he's going to get on rhythm. And I honestly think uh, Joe Brady and um, our quarterback coach, Sean Ryan, are going to do wonders for Sam Donald. And I really do think they're going to be able to elevate his talent to the next level. 100. And I, I, well, that's it. I don't got anything else to say. I've already said it. Next call. But anyway, if we can, uh, if we can get a, if we can get us a good center, a good left tackle, uh, and if we can we get got a, a good, uh, good tight end, uh, another running back, Maybe, Another maybe uh, pick uh, Giovanni Bernard up in free agency. Nah, he went to go uh, get his ring. Get this guy some good protection. 
um, in this draft, then I think what you're going to see is a blessing in disguise when it comes to not having a higher pick. Because to be honest with you, I'm not very high like you guys are on, on Fields and Lance. I'm not saying I can't be great, but I think there's there's just too much too much to be yet to be determined about those guys that pick so high. Um, and I think this is a blessing in disguise. The eighth pick is going to be fine. We should probably even trade back if somebody like Sewell doesn't fall to us. But anyway, enjoyed it. Appreciate it, Carl, uh, my man. Uh, and and look, no matter how many people. I will say this is look, I've defended Carl the whole time. I said this dude's good, like him. You know what I'm saying? He's my dude, like him. That one day you were going after that girl for being fat was way too much. (laughs) I mean, he was just fat. I just kept going fatty, fat. I was like, gosh, come on, girl. Hey, bro, is a wild place, man. Yeah, I don't even think that. I didn't. Dude, I, it, Twitter invokes the worst in you, man. I'm telling no, you. No, Reddit invokes the worst in people. Reddit. All right, so how about this? Is it just and I'll move on from this? Reddit is the place where assholes congregate. So, like Carl, maybe check that one out. <laughs> the uh, no, Red. I was so I follow because I do some woodworking, some carpentry, some different stuff on the sun, and, or just for fun. And I so I follow this woodworking Reddit thread. I never post. I just look at this stuff. So somebody said my uncle made this dresser that's inspired by the Mad Hatter. It's a custom-made dresser that had a split in it where the drawers all functioned. It was dope as shit. And the like the second comment was, this will probably get removed because you didn't make it. <laughs> like that that's like one of the rules in the thread is that you have to make it and i was like it's the dude's fucking uncle a and b like what if he would have just sanded one little bit it's just like the place where assholes go yeah they're like the the they're just it was like an other person was like somebody else has done this so it'd probably get removed i was like gosh this is like the awesomest thing like if you did this if anybody did this it'd be the coolest shit ever and the first thing these assholes come out and like, why wow, we're going to remove it. Reddit, man. Gosh. And if anybody, how about this? If y'all are Reddit people, why don't you post this damn podcast in the Reddit thread? How about that? Because I've been doing this podcast for eight years and I look at the Panthers Reddit all the time. I ain't ever seen nothing from this up here. Somebody go share our shit. Help us out, folks. By the way, Carl says uh, she came after him first. So I don't care, man. It's is just that like, I, look, let me defend my self defense. Let me, no, let me, let no, me that was out of line. He was out of line. Let day. me defend the man I fight with all the time on Twitter, dude. Sometimes people talk a bunch of shit on Twitter, and it's who can hit harder and who can go lower. So. Shut up, oh, the Shut opposite up. of uh, yeah. Michelle Obama, uh, right? Yeah, when dude. they go uh, low, we go high. No, Michelle when you're on the Twitter, you go. <laughs> All right, when, next they go, when they go low, you hit them with an uppercut from the bowels of hell, dude. Oh, <laughs> no wonder y'all. T- no wonder y'all argues back and forth so much. All right, <laughs> let's go. Hey guys, Chad down here in Charleston. Um, curious your thoughts on. I, I think looking at the uh, signings we've made now in the last week with, of course, the Darnold trade at quarterback and then mm-hmm. signing uh, 
uh, AJ Bowie at cornerback, which is a former Pro Bowler, I think in 2018 or 2019, has a lot of potential. We went out and got Michael Simon at wide receiver, David Moore at wide receiver, uh, Dan Arnold at tight end. We've covered a lot of our um, weaknesses through free agency, even though maybe they're not all Pro Bowl type guys. Um, we've we filled in a lot of gaps. Um, which I think is pointing to, you know, we're aiming for a tackle, definitely aiming for a tackle at number eight. I think we'll stay, I think we'll stay put and, uh, take one. Uh, question I had was if, um, Cody or one of you guys would do a comparison of, uh, Slater and Sewell and, uh, which one you guys have yeah. higher, uh, which one you would prefer. Uh, kind of pros and cons of each guy. I think we'll, we may have the option of both, but definitely one of them are fa- will fall to us. So I'm uh, just curious what you guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, so I've done two film film reviews on both of these players. And, Tony, you were with me for the Pinay Sewell film. And uh, so, listen, I still have to put out my top 50 players, which I'm working on that. I'm almost done with that. And I'm going to put out my top 100 players before the draft. And I think I'm probably going to reveal my top 50 on one of the live streams I do. But I'll go ahead and give you a sneak piece, uh, sneak peek. And I'll say this. Um, Penny Sewell has been talked up as the number one offensive tackle in this year's draft class. And I think any other year that would be true. But Rashawn Slater, I'm telling you, is 100% as advertised. That man played in the Big Ten against better edge rushing competition and, frankly, has better footwork than Panay Sewell, in my opinion, and he has better hand placement. Uh, Panay Sewell was so strong that even in the, the moments when his technique would falter, he's such a mammoth of a human being and is so physically dominant that you still barely couldn't even move him off of his spot. In the NFL, there's not going to be that much room. Um, the, the margin of error is going to be a lot tighter. So uh, a player like Pene Sewell, I genuinely do believe, is a more NFL-ready starter right now. Um, he had a better 40 time. He put up a few extra reps on the bench press. Um, he has graded like a true dominant left tackle prospect. Everyone wants to bang on Pinay's on um pardon me on Rashawn Slater rather for his arm length. And listen, I said this during my film review. If I don't see his arm length as a problem in his film, if I see defenders using a long arm to get his hands inside his chest and bully him around, yeah, then it's a problem and I would worry about it and I would want to move him inside. Uh, at the next level. But that was never a problem with him. You never saw him get beat inside. You never saw an opponent use his length on Rashawn Slater and bully him around. Rashawn Slater is a mammoth of of an offensive tackle. I mean, you really can't go wrong with either of them. Maybe you could make the argument that Panay Sewell, even though he's a little more raw, might potentially have a higher upside but even still, I don't see how much higher it could be over Slater. In my mind, that's a long way of saying Rashawn Slater deserves to be the number one tackle in this year's class. And on my board, I will have him ranked a little bit higher than Panay. Wow. Have you seen this? 
I have. Cool. Yeah, let's look at watch this there, is for, for people listening uh just to the audio. This is a video from Penne Sewell in high school, and they send basically like Greg, the bat daddy, <laughs> to try to rush the quarterback here. And this big guy probably a little hold right there, and then he puts a what is that called in uh rest in MMA wrestling like a Kiri bomb? Or- no, that's a choke slam right there. That's WWE shit, man. I felt like it was like what you said the other day that that guy you were talking about. Uh, you you listed a fight move on Twitter the other day, like a Kiri something. Kamora. Yeah, 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 no, that's, that's a different is, thing. No, no, that's a different okay. thing. No, that's just a that's an Andre the Giant choke slam, man. That, that poor that's, kid. That's what that is. Um, All right. hey, uh, hold on, I'm gonna have to dip out a okay. little bit early tonight, but I did want to share uh, an ice up that I think everyone will enjoy and um and think is kind of funny. I saw this video floating around Twitter. Um, and it just made me laugh so much. And it's so indicative of who we know this man to be. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was out somewhere. I don't know what he was doing. But the man is in street clothes. He's out just on some practice field somewhere. And he's not doing anything particular. But the man still has two gloves on. For no reason at all, the man is still wearing two gloves. And then if you notice on this little nothing dump-off pass, Teddy Bridgewater underthrows the football. <laughs> little kid right here, man. And then to top it and all off. And then he off, can't catch it. And then, then to top it, it all off with those super stucco gloves that he has on his hands, my man can't even bring the ball down. It's like bro, watching him hit a baseball, bro. It's dude, bad. This is vintage Teddy Bridgewater, man. Dude, this guy shows us his physical potential all the time. I know I'm piling on at this point in time, <laughs> but come on, man. That's just embarrassing, dude. Um, to Teddy Bridgewater, ice up, son. All right. Thanks, uh, Cody, for hanging out as long as you did. And we'll yeah, see man. you soon. We'll see you soon, man. For sure. Um, Peace follow up, Cody Lashney. He's got the film rooms coming out. He's got his uh, draft tech stuff. So, And next week Tomorrow, he's going to be bringing us his tech. official mock. So yep. check out Cody. All right. Let's go to the next call. All right. Later, boys. Peace, good, fellas. It's Corey calling in again, man. Uh, I want to call in to kind of touch on this, like, Kirk Cousins. Versus Matt Ryan debate that y'all happened like the last couple of weeks. I actually made a touch on it last week, but the the Sam Donald news kind of overtook everything. That shit blew, uh, should uh, uh, kind of crossed, didn't cross my mind. Um, but you know, just to uh, get my take on it, man, Cody, you're, you, you always come with the good takes, man, and, and you're like probably the most knowledgeable just about studying football on the show, but you're wrong here, bro. Like, you're just, you're just flat out wrong. When it comes to Kirk Cousins and, and Matt Ryan, not like there's, it, they're just different levels, man. And and you, you kind of mentioned the Matt Ryan having all these weapons and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and then what else? Like it stopped. Like Calvin Ridley, what he's been in the league like four years, 
Matt, like Matt Ryan's been in the league like what? Like Roddy White. He's had Julio most of his career. Obviously, Julio's one of the best in the league. But like, it's not like Matt Ryan's just been blessed with having this like incredible amount of talent that Kirk Tony Cousins Gonzalez, like Roddy White has had. Dalvin there was Cook, another receiver okay, there too with Adam Roddy Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Like Kirk Cousins has been blessed, bro, and he's never been more than an eyed ass quarterback. Like he's made a couple Pro Bowls, maybe as like an alternate. But who the fuck? When has Kirk Cousins ever striked fear in anybody, right? And, like, Matt Ryan is not, you know, some world beater either, but he, for yeah. most of his career, Matt Ryan has been a good to great. For one year, he was an elite quarterback. Like, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, stroke his dick, but Matt Ryan is, is a good quarterback. He's been a good quarterback for a long-ass time. Been to the Super Bowl, got an MVP. He's He he can make a lot of good-ass throws. So, I mean, I just really feel like it's, it's level yeah. when it comes to Kirk Cousins and, and Matt yeah. Ryan and, and – Kirk Cousins is not on that. When has Kirk Cousins ever been considered great? When has he ever been I agree. considered to be anything close to an MVP candidate? And he's had three Pro Bowlers, like three of the best. I players. appreciate the call, man, and he's right, and that's what we fought. And the only thing he's not right about is Cody being the most knowledgeable. <laughs> Come on now. What he know? What Don't he let know? his head get any bigger. All right, next call, which I think might be part two. What's up, y'all? Corey calling in. Second half of my call, I was kind of wrapping up my little little rant about Cam, but it's it's really like no secret that Cam had his inconsistencies as a thrower. Like we all know that, we all saw it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not just because Carolina did a shitty job putting weapons around, him, which you know we all know that they did. They could have done a, a way better job getting the elite receivers. Um, by the time they did get some of these receivers, he was already, you know, threw his shoulder out and was missing all these games. But, you know, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, and maybe it's a little bit too much to ask because, you know, if Cam was a consistently accurate thrower, he'd be a top 10 quarterback of all time, at least in my opinion, without a doubt, just because of his size, his athleticism, and what he can do throwing the ball. If his consistency was there, then, you know, he, he'd be a fucking monster unstoppable even more so than he was. But, you know, TK, you were talking about it. It's when it comes to just purely throwing the ball, Matt Ryan is better than Cam Newton was now or is. And, you know, obviously Cam can make throws that Matt can't, Cody, to your point, because he just has that arm time. He has that strength. He can throw it into tight windows. But he's just had too many of those opportunities where it was just like gimmies where I feel like shit slipped out of his hands. And this is coming from the biggest Cam Newton fan you're ever going to meet in your life. So, no, I'm not saying that Matt Ryan is better than Cam Newton. I want Cam Newton on my team 10 times out of 10, 365 days out of the week over anybody. But if it's, if we're talking about strictly throwing the ball, like, come on, y'all, we, we got to take our, our, our Panthers tennis shades off and just call it is what it is. But, you know, obviously, y'all fuck with the podcast. Love it. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep counting, y'all. Man, great calls tonight. And okay. I agree. I, I agree. And I think that that is an unpopular opinion to give any Matt Ryan compliments right on this uh, period. But I think there there's a lot of merit to what you your point, uh, CK, when this yeah. discussion kind of started. The whole Kirk Cousins thing was bizarre. That was like, that's, Co- that's Cody trolling us. I think, but I don't know, no, but he, um, even the whole, I'm, I'm interested in the Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater comparison. Is that, that might win. That was a little closer. It was a lot closer actually, but he's right. Oh, yeah. and, and you're right. He brought up some great points. All right. Next call. 
Hey guys, this is Chuck from Elizabeth City calling. Uh, kind of wanted to look at, just kind of express my own opinion and my own feelings. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of Panther fans that agree with me and maybe not a hundred percent, but for the most part, I think a lot of Panther fans kind of in the same range. And that's addressing the quarterback situation. Yeah. I think we've kind of floated in an area the last couple of years where we do not have that star quarterback and it's kind of like we're tracing we're chasing something that we can't just we can't catch um no matter how good this coaching staff and having a rich owner um having a great defense everybody in nfl looks at a team if you have a a1 quarterback you've got something and we can look at the history of the northern saints and for the most part it sucks but when they got Drew Brees and they won and they won a Super Bowl with him, even when he was aging, he was the face of the franchise. And that's going to be hard for them to replace. But I'm really looking at us. Um, being a young franchise, we're kind of like a baby, and we've had milk our whole life. Mm-hmm. Even when we had Jake Delone, we had Winky, Berline, Kerry Collins, all these guys. Cam Newton was our first taste of a Pepsi or a Coke. Had the sugar rush, and he gave us excitement. We were jolting. We were excited. We were sticking our chest out. We were running around. You know, Steve Smith will always be my favorite Carolina Panther, but Cam Newton is the best player that we've ever drafted or had. And I think even when Cam was going downhill, we always held out thinking he was going to get better. His throwing mechanics were going to get better. His shoulder was going to get better. We were going to improve around him. And we always held our breath thinking, man, he showed that flash of brilliance and took a team on his back to the Super Bowl. We always felt that we were going to have him longer than we did. And once we got rid of him and it broke our hearts, we knew he was hurting. Bridgewater wasn't the answer. Sam Donald's probably not the answer. I think all we're doing is hoping for improvement over Bridgewater with Sam Donald. And we wanted, you know, Deshaun Watson, and we're hoping to get one of these top three or four quarterbacks because we're trying to get that lightning in the bottle we have with Cam Newton. In fact, we're going back to drinking milk as a baby again. We want that taste of Coke. And that's why it's so hard to get over Cam Newton because of what we did have with him and what could have been. Thanks. I like it, Chuck, except for the... No, yep. I was about to make a cocaine joke. <laughs> we don't need milk. We don't need coke. We need cocaine at the quarterback. All right, uh, next call. Yo, guys, it's Nick. So, figured uh, you guys would want to hear something funny. So, as you guys know, live up here in Mass. Patriots Nation. Can't get around <laughs> it. Nothing I can do about it. Guy at work, my apprentice, mind you, I have been messing with him for the last, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks. Just being like, oh, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get traded to the pass. And like three days after I started saying it, he came into work. He's like, I I, kind of want it to happen. Okay. Now, mind you, when he said this to me, I started dying laughing. Okay. Because who in their right mind wants Teddy Bridgewater? 
the very next day they start talking about start talking about it on sports talk or whatever podcast it is that he's listening to how Kenny Bridgewater would be a great fit up in New England. Guys, Cam would absolutely destroy him. I would love to see what would happen with Cam and Teddy Bridgewater on the same team. Like that would be absolutely hilarious. But the fact that right. this dude actually said, Oh yeah, I want Teddy Bridgewater. What is wrong with you? So yeah, basically for the last week I've been calling him Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> and not only me, but basically everyone who we work with has been calling him Teddy Bridgewater. So figured you guys would get a kick out of that. Love the show, guys. Keep going. Thanks, Nick, man. We appreciate it. Next call. Hey guys, it's Nick again. So you guys have been putting out a lot of a lot of content. Love it. Watched it every bit of it. It's awesome. Okay. It's awesome that you guys are putting out content on guys that we could get, that sort of deal. Now I gotta I gotta say, we got quite a few people calling in who have called in, especially over the last six months, saying, Hey, you know, Let's throw Will Greer in there when we're already having a losing season. Let's throw P.J. Walker in, that sort of deal. We have these two other quarterbacks on our roster who we don't really have very much tape on. Do you guys think it would be at all possible to do any sort of breakdown of Will Greer or or P.J. Walker? I mean, I know there's quite a few guys other than myself who have said, hey, we should run with with PJ, let's see what we got in them, that sort of deal. Okay, Maybe there's some tape out there that you guys have seen that shows that he's not worth running with. I mean, I get it. The Lions game, he had two interceptions. I mean, that's kind of, that is kind of a big deal. But at the same time, the dude hasn't really practiced too much with the starters. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater was our guy just because of the amount of money that we paid him. And because the organization was ashamed to admit that they had fucked up. Um, but, you know, you guys have put out quite a bit of college tape on um, some of the other quarterbacks in the draft. What do you guys think about doing some tape on uh, on two of the quarterbacks on our roster that we haven't really seen play all that much? I'll Love float that. Keep it. I'm- I appreciate it. I'm going to float the idea to uh, Cody Lasney. I gave him my password to get into the NFL All-22, which includes the preseason games. So it's be a small sample set, but something to work, um, be interested in. Might be uh, interesting to get a Tim Jenkins live film breakdown of P.J. Walker's two ga- two appearances. That would be fun. Maybe see if we can work something like that. I think you're on to something. All right, next call. Me by myself here. Me, myself, and Blake Bettis, hopefully. Panther Paul, okay. Nope, not Blake Bettis. Nah, <laughs> it's I'm coming, man. Blake B again. Oh, oh, see? No, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, my man. He did it. He did it. This is, you got, when you fool, you fool, you fool me once. Shame on you. A fool man can't get fooled again. Well, I just got fooled again. Here it goes. Panther Paul Cass. Nah, I'm just kidding. This is Blake B again. Wada, wada, wada. Gotcha. So, again, listening to Sam Darnold's presser earlier today, 
he was talking about all these players he was looking forward to playing with, and he's talking about throwing to uh, Arnold and the the new Moore and all these other people. I was like, good lord, I, who are these people? Like, I know some of these acquisitions, but I was like, what what is going on? So I went on the Panthers app and looked, and they they uh, had this new uh, jersey number, like official jersey number. And you can clearly tell some of those mugs are photoshopped. I, go go look on the Panthers app or the Panthers website and look at the official jersey uh, pictures. It looks like some of them are just like cut out on paint, Microsoft Paint posted on uh, existing pictures of other players. It, it's crazy. Uh, but what really stood out to me is we have signed 17 free agents in this offseason. And I was like, good Lord, I don't know what a typical offseason holds for a team, but 17 acquisitions sounds like a lot. I don't, I don't think that's going to be on par for most teams. Um, but the, the, the thing I point out, want to point out here is who would you guys still like to see us bring in? If any big names, if anything to fill gaps in the roster that we have of positional values to set up our draft? Who would you like us like to see us bring in, or do you want to wait till the draft and see what we still need to address to see how the board falls to us? Just kind of curious what you guys think, um, Mr. Personality there, uh, Sam Darnold. <laughs> uh, I'm teetering on the fence back and forth. I watched Cody's film review, which had some promise, uh, but I mean, I, I like to see him in a new scheme. I'm just, I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm not super excited, but we'll see what happens. So uh, that concludes my call. I had a great question, Blake. I told you I wouldn't miss the call, and I bet you there's another one in the hole still. So this goes back to the beginning point that I made earlier with uh, the Scott Fitterer plan, right, of filling the roster to then go into the draft. I'm trying to think of where the weaknesses lie on this roster at this moment when it comes to we've done quarterback, we've we've addressed offensive line and free agency, we've moved to the defense with Reddick and Perryman and, and the Bouye with the secondary. And the Arnold dude, the Dan Arnold at tight end, helps a lot. I just, uh, you know, I'm starting to wonder at this point, I know there are a dime a dozen, but I got a dime and we need to find one. I think maybe backup running back is something that this team needs to start thinking about or a second running back. What or who are they going to trot out there? And then one is a, you got to plan in contingency in case, Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. I don't think he will. I don't think he's injury prone. I think he's super durable at this point. We've seen that into his career. I think they protected him last year. Losing Mike Davis to the Atlanta Falcons, however, leaves it just for question marks. And yes, you're, we can just fill that in. Practice squad guys, draft guys. Think of what we have with Jordan Scarlett, Cameron Artis Payne, late end dudes. But if we were going to continue with the model of Scott Fitterer where we're going to do, we're going to have a team no matter what when we go into the draft, that's where I'm starting to think at that point is that running back might be something. That's the one position group that hasn't been thought about addressed at this point. 
going forward other than a restructure. Good call, Blake B. You fooled me. Fooled me once. Shame on you. Fooled me twice. Can't forget fooled again, but I did. All right, next call. This is a short one. Mel Kuyper is as big a moron as David Newton. Dissect that. Uh, so J Dub says Cannon Smith Bonifon. It's not a must, but would be nice. Who are these people? I know Bonifon, but is he was barely? I mean, is he officially on the roster? Number one is a question. Is that like is he there? I don't know the other guys. Uh, the Cannon. I've, all right, is it not Nick Cannon? That's got to be like a in sync person or something. But maybe he played a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know those dudes, right? So, yeah, is that you're right. It's not a must. It's they, they are. Who are they? Bonifon, though. Bonifon has some promise. I like him, but the squad don't really care about him. So, anyway, um, here we go. Next call. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. Um, I got a question for y'all. So, we had. Superman Cam, right? Then we went from that to, you know, Teddy Two Gloves or Teddy Checkdown or, you know, all the other fucking stupid nicknames we gave him. My question to y'all is, what is Sam Darnold's nickname going to be for us this year? What are we going to nickname him? Because right now, I just have him as the Daywalker. So, uh, let me get your thoughts on that and, you know, keep pounding. Peace. Uh, uh, hold on. I was trying to follow. What did he say? Oh, no. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. Um, I got a question for y'all. So we had Superman Cam, right? Then we went from that to, big you know, big, big Teddy DT. Two Gloves or Teddy Checkdown or, uh, you know, all the other D. fucking stupid nicknames we gave him. My question to y'all is, what is Sam Darnold's nickname going to be? Oh, what is Sam Darnold's nickname? Um... Uh, um, Sam Darnold, um, Sam Darnold, um, what? I just played this short one. It was this one. This is a short one. Mel Kuyper is as big a moron as David Newton. Dissect that. All right. Uh, what will be Sam Darnold's, uh, nickname? Um, Darnold, uh, think we should call him something to the effect of what did uh, uh cody call him quiet not quiet uh something what means a good boy he's a good boy he's a good press conference wins the press conference doesn't win the game that's my uh it's my title all right next call hey what's going on guys this is nasty nate from harrisburg um i think that draft's gonna go trevor lawrence zach wilson justin fields trey lance then either Kyle Pitts or the LSU uh, wide receiver, and then hopefully uh, Sewell or Rashawn Slater drop to us. Um, I don't know why I have a feeling that we're going to get Devontae Smith from Alabama or we get a cornerback. Uh, that's just my thoughts. Uh, you guys are all studs, and keep it easy. God bless. Harrisburg signing out. All right. Uh, David Screws wins. Sam Darnold's uh, nickname is, or tag phrase, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. That's awesome, dude. We are, that needs to be a t-shirt. That needs to be a t-shirt. Um, what does GEQ bus mean? 
Oh, is that like G GQ bust? Maybe I don't know. All right, uh, I think this is last call of the night. It's just me by myself with you guys. Sixty seven. You have in the chat. I appreciate your night, your time, your insight, your contribution. Don't forget we're on Discord. Right? Is that those guys are holding it down? I've been busy the last three days. I've actually haven't been involved a ton with anything. Even the internet cut down four trees in my yard, like a big one today like two big ones, but a, a decent size one today. So I've been working my ass. I'm uh, getting ready and this and that. Got all this stuff and family. So I haven't been, but people are holding it down. I peek in there in the Discord over the last two days. I missed time. People holding it up. So you get in the Discord. You smash the thumbs up button. You subscribe to the channel. You be a part of the conversation. Call in at 252-228-5098. We want to hear from you. We're trying to build a community. It's not about me telling you about football. That's why I brought in Tim Jenkins, right? Is that I'm here a commentator, commentator about, I'm a fan commentator, man. I'm going to say, screw this motherfucker. I hate to hear whitehead, tired ass whitehead, right? And I love this dude. And Teddy Bridgewater, like, that's what I get to be. I'm not a journalist. I'm a fan. And you guys make this show happen. Thank you for your support. Last call. Tony. You know who it is. Uh oh. It's your boy, Josh from Met. I'm calling a little late. Hopefully, you can work me into this fucking. Uh, God, I've been this fooled. This week's episode here. This week's installment, if you will. But I wanted to take the time to gather all my thoughts on this fucking Sam Darnold deal. Oh, you know, then we got a couple players we signed like a couple hours ago. And we got all the draft shenanigans because, you know, everybody's everybody's pants are getting fucking itchy with the fucking pre-draft crotch cricket. You know, and uh, before we picked up Darnold, I was very much the, one of the in the camp of we need to get a QB, we need to get a QB, we need to get a QB. And now, I mean, I guess if one falls to us, I, I wouldn't be upset if we grabbed one as long as it ain't Mac Jones. But I'd much rather see us go left tackle, you know. So if, if a QB falls to us and Sewell and Slater are on the board or one or the other, we have a chance to drop back, like, two spots or whatever and, and you know, get some second first-round capital this year, next year, whatever, I, I'd, be, I'd be inclined to move for that. But uh, as far as Donald, um, being uh, living here in, in Massachusetts, you know, I see a lot of I see a lot of Patriots games just because the, the nature of the beast. They're on the TV, you know, here on the regular. Um, I like to move. What makes me nervous is that game against the Pats years ago now, or almost two years ago now, where, you know, I'm seeing ghosts and this and that. And I, I mean, I get it. It's Bill Belichick defense, blah, blah, blah. But, man, that, that is about the only thing that makes me nervous. Is how can this kid perform under pressure? I get it. He's young, and he's shown some flashes. Um, and I don't think, I don't think we, we gave up too much anyway for him, but that's really my only concern with him is, is 
how he's handled pressure, and it hasn't been great. So, yeah, I mean, that's really it. I think we got to go left tackle in round one. I mean, I get it. Ah, shit, I'm out of time. But, yeah, tackle round one, Josh from Mass. All um, right, Josh, Nick, both of the guys from Massachusetts. There was somebody in the chat room earlier from Germany. People all around the world following the Carolina Panthers and doing it on the C3 Panthers podcast. We got one last segment. It's the ice up pick of the week. And now it's going to be short because it is just my pick. And so here's the thing is each and every week I, I come up with an ice up pick and then I do the intro to the ice up moment just like that. And then I forget what my ice up pick is right in the moment of that. I say that. So I had a D Oh, I got it. See, and I do this every week, every week I go this and I do this all the time. You hear me start talking. I'm just the whole time. I'm trying to talk, trying to think of what I just forgot. My ice up pick. I mean, the list is long and undistinguished at this point. You could go from COVID, va- I, I'm a COVID vaccine. I got a COVID vaccine. I've been to Italy. I've been to Key West. I've done all this. I've been probably too cavalier during the COVID time. And then I got my shot. Shoot me up. Shoot me up. I want to get this life back to where I can go in a store and not wear a damn mask. But then I guess I could ice up the fact that COVID vaccines only last for like two minutes and then is that worthy of calling a vaccine? And then somebody would be like, well, you don't know how vaccines work and this and that. Uh, but no, I'm going a different direction. I'm icing up going back to work. Now, I've worked the whole time during COVID. I've been blessed to have a job that we get to work remotely and from home. Over the last year, in fact, I just went to Easter with Catholic. I'm Catholic, so my homie's friend Kyle has called me Tony Catholic. So Easter's a big, it's our biggest holiday. My mom is very important. You know, a lot of family, a lot of church. Isn't that? I wore a suit to church on Easter. It was the first time I wore dress pants in a damn year, over a year right at this point. And it felt uh, like, well, it didn't feel, actually, I've lost a little weight at this point. I'm going to try not enough to be noticeable or be worthy of talking about, but I fit my suit just fine. So it wasn't fitting in it. That was a problem. It was just dressing up. That was a problem. But now my job is trying to work their way back into going back to work physically. And I've been very productive at my job over the last year, too. I've had a very good year and like getting a lot of great stuff done working remotely but the stress of not having to jump up and beat the traffic and get ready and take care of this gorgeous mane that i got going on and stuff like that is wonderful and i get to like my morale's up and i'm doing a lot of work right now i feel like a prisoner man who has been in jail has become institutionalized for the last 20 years and they get used to prison life and now parole is coming up and i'm scared folks i'm scared of going back to work in that regular world i've got to wear dress clothes i've got to rush to be there by this three minute deadline god bless it god bless america god bless people fighting covid God bless us getting back to normal, but God bless remote work. It's wonderful. 
My life has been so awesome. Uh, you honest, uh, J-Dub says, you honestly believe teaching is soaked up as well over Zoom? Honest question. No, actually, I don't. Not at all. Uh, the way that we that my online classes work, they're asynchronous. So it is not like us get together and listen to me. It's not the sage on the stage. It's a different type of learning than I do in the classroom. But you're absolutely right. If you, the thing to online learning, J Dub, is that you can't just uh, think of it. You do the same thing. It's just in a virtual space, right? You can't think of it like that. It has to be a different, complete dynamic you know what i'm saying like is and so the strategies that i use uh to guide people through working with historical material and and thinking about the past those strategies are different when we're all together in a 30 person group and then they are from like hey here's me working with you kind of independently on your own time so there are that's a very fair question uh, about the quality but I, I think this, I wonder if the world wants to go back um, to being on time <laughs> and being present. Like, uh, I know, and for people who have worked through this whole hardship in their regular job and had to wear those stupid effing masks and not, uh, you know what, do your part. I'm not trying to say don't do your part or whatever. I'm a team player and this and that. But man, like, I'm just I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. So God bless y'all. I was thinking this is what you want me to teach this whole class wearing a mask. Like I got to be being an actor and entertainer and trade keeping people in. Shoot. So uh, here's to um, pajama pants, not brushing your teeth till noon and drinking coffee all damn day and taking a poop whenever you want to. And all of that mess institutionalized don't let me uh don't let me out don't let me out. i want to stay in i'm gonna stab carl van i'm gonna shank him to stay in this world no no happy to be employed happy to be healthy thank you guys for your support my name is tony dunn it's the c3 panthers podcast brought to you by carolinacatchronicles.com look you can find me on twitter at cat underscore chronicles you can email me at carolinacatchronicles.com at gmail.com message me in the discord wherever you want come and talk to me what i actually want to know from you guys is what do you want to talk about ideas people what do you want us to do and uh you tell it i'll make it happen you tell me we'll make it happen don't forget the contest all that uh ice up to all the people who didn't like the video but love the content Love you guys no matter what. And uh, J-Dub's going to be co-host of me in the upcoming future. I can feel it in my blood. Blake Bettis, I got your calls in. And you jerks in the phone lines, 252-228-5098, have fooled me, fooled me again. Let's hope that Sam Darnold didn't fool us. Let's hope that the Carolina Panthers are trending up. I think they are. I'm excited. Don't forget, draft night party is going to be a blast. Until then, we'll see you on Tuesday. I'm getting more content. It's all good, baby. It's all gravy. We'll see you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.